Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 1009 with Dave Nitzel and Dave Domzalski. Hospitality, in my mind, isn't about what you want to give, but it's about what someone wants to receive. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. This episode is brought to you by Reachify. Why are you still taking phone calls when you have online services that can support the majority of your guest needs? Redirect your callers so you can focus on the food and the guests across the counter. Reachify is powerful and flexible. For example, with advanced automation and caller deflection, Reachify prevents missed caller opportunities and diverts callers to online actions. Reachify also simplifies workflows for your team, enabling them to operate more efficiently to attract, retain, and engage callers effectively. Reachify, be in control of the conversation you want to have when you're able to have them. Hop on to reachify.io slash unstoppable to find out how to revolutionize the way your restaurant does business. And when you use that link, get one month free after onboarding. That's reachify.io slash unstoppable. This episode is brought to you by Restaurant Systems Pro, and they are launching their first time ever 60-day pilot program. This is something that's never been done before. This 60-day event is at no cost to you, but it's not for everyone. Fred Langley, CEO of Restaurant Systems Pro, will be leading a group of restaurateurs through the Restaurant System Pro software and setting up the systems for your restaurants. Fred will teach you recipe costing cards, guidance in your books for accounting, cash control, sales forecasting, checklist, budgeting for the entire year, scheduling for profit. Profit, more butts and seats, and that's not it. If you are interested in this, head over to www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash RSP. That's RSP for Restaurant Systems Pro. www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash RSP. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guests, David Nitzel and David Domzalski. Daves, are you feeling unstoppable today? Absolutely. Yes. yes. And yes. I know yeah. you two are unstoppable. I mean, I've already <laughs> had the pleasure of talking to Dave Domzalski. We discussed the the bar shift right here. If you own a bar, really, if you own a restaurant, too. Mm-hmm. like. If, but if you're serving alcohol, there's so many great tips in this book for just the the, the details, the, the ins and outs of, of the business of, of, of running a bar. So absolutely recommend this book. But when I was interviewing Dave D., um, about the bar shift, I had no idea that you guys had another one on the way. And you, you put that on my radar and you're like, oh, it's, a, it's like next month. And I was like, well, it looks like <laughs> we'll be getting in touch real soon. So uh, here we are. Uh, I drove down to Raleigh, North Carolina to connect with these guys. I have both Dave's in front of me uh, and we're going to be talking about the hospitality DNA right here. And I really love what you guys did with this book. Thank you. Honestly, Thank you. it was I Thank really you. enjoyed it. It really reinforced a lot of what I've learned in over a thousand episodes. And and it just made, made me feel like, oh, maybe I am learning something. Like, I know a lot of this stuff, mm-hmm. but, like, it, it, it's amazing advice, you know? And I think you guys definitely re- reinforced what I'm trying to do here at Restaurant Unstoppable. And I cannot wait to dive into these books. But let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quarter mantra. What do you got for us? So I didn't know I had one. 
And I knew I was coming to do this podcast, full disclosure. And I watched Dave. So I was like, uh-oh, I need to have me. one of these. And, and I, again, I really – I talked to Dave. I was like, Dave, do I have one? Like, what do you – so we kicked it around. And then it occurred to me. 20. I was talking to my brother. And he said, hey, man, you taught me something 20 years ago that I, I use to this day. And he's a very, very successful uh, – he's very successful in pharmaceuticals, let's say. And, uh, and then he said, look, you've got it on your Facebook page. I was like, it's not, so I looked, I had to remind, I said, it, it goes like this. It says, look, treat people well, put in the effort, make good decisions. The rest will sort itself out. So if you do those three things, real simple, don't overthink it. It's, it's not brain surgery, but it seems to be the case that successful people, reasonably successful, do those three things yeah. quite well. And so. it, I don't know if you guys found this in your study, but there's no secrets. The things that make you successful in life are the things they teach you in kindergarten. <laughs> and it's so true. And it's oh so infuriating. Yeah. You're like, oh, I thought there was going to be like a trick, a secret, mm-hmm. like yeah. a, a big aha. It's like, no, show up, do the work, golden rule. You mm-hmm. know, like it's mm-hmm. that it's it's that simple and that hard. Say please and thank you. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's the thing. Doing those things isn't easy. Showing up. Yeah. yeah it's, it's not. It's not easy. So a uh, great way to get this thing started. And um Dave's Dave Domzalski's episode was 973 and I dive into Dave's backstory a little bit in that episode and it was only like 30 episodes ago uh, not that long ago so if you guys did not catch that episode and you want to learn more about Dave Domzalski check out that episode uh, but today we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, Dave Nitzel's background mm-hmm. because um, we I mean this is the first time you got on the show so where does it make sense to start sharing your story take us back to the beginning yeah that's a good question I don't want to bore the audience too much because my background really isn't in bars and restaurants and hospitality. I did work at Ponderosa for a year <laughs> when I was, right? when I was set, well, I started as a dishwasher, yeah, yeah, yeah. but you know, yeah. I, I was line cook at the end of that thing, <laughs> helping them open up some, nice. so I have a little bar or I have a little restaurant experience, but I don't really lean on that much. So my background is mostly in fortune 500 America. I mean, I rose through the ranks, uh, to the executive levels of big brand companies that we all know and love, uh, places like UPS, uh, Office Depot, Advanced Auto Parts, to, to name names. Great organizations. Yeah, good organizations. So that's that's really where my background comes from. And I had a couple other pit stops along the way that were significant, but brands that we wouldn't know. But I, what I've – I spun out of Advanced Auto Parts, found myself wanting to do something different. I've, I've got a little bit of a uh, rebel spirit about me. I don't perfectly fit into corporate America, yeah. but I do love it. Like I did, you know, I did reasonably well for a long time. I was on future CEO teams and CEO leadership teams and that sort of thing in those organizations. So I was exposed to incredible talent, amazingly smart people. When I left that organization, I found myself a little bit, um, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know that I wanted How long to do this. 10 years, okay. 10, 12 years. So I knew I'd had it with, look, what, what grinds my gears is bad leadership. I have a real problem with it. I'm not good with a bad leader. I'll just tell you, I, I need good leadership. And when I have it, I'm an animal. And when I don't, I, I get a little rebellious and that, that gets me in a bit of trouble. So that's what I, I found what myself. What makes a good leader in your opinion? I know that's one of the chapters yeah. in the book. Yeah, self-awareness. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I just lock in on Emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence, organizational self-awareness. So it's one thing. Uh, there's, what I is think, organizational self-awareness? So self-awareness, I'll, I'll, I'll answer the easy yeah. one. So self-awareness is about, hey, am I clear on my strengths and my weaknesses as a leader? Do I know who I am? 
organizational self-awareness to me, which is, I'm just making that term up. I don't think it's an official term, but organizational self-awareness is to say, I understand the effect that my attitude, my behaviors have on others. The things that I do and say, how does it impact the organization and how is it defining the culture? How are my behaviors defining the, the culture that's surrounding behavior is culture. Absolutely. So what you're doing says volumes more about what you say you are. It's, it's how you show up. It's what you say. And it's, it's organizational or would you say um, uh, organizational self-awareness? Organizational self-awareness. Yeah. 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 So you're right. And I get, and I, I am a bit of a culture wonk. So there are lots of cultures. Walk away, man. I love this stuff. Yeah. So look, <laughs> what'll happen, Will and I were just talking about this earlier. We're doing podcast Alusi here. So there's a few different podcasters and there's a bunch of awesome people being interviewed. Gotta get that word fun. out. This great yeah, book. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, we were just talking about what, what culture means in a business and what happens in large organizations is it'll become a project. Culture, the culture project, it'll get kicked over to the HR team. And your senior execs at HR will, you know, do their big brain stuff and come up with a, what sounds like really good for the organization. You can't argue with these things. The, you know, here's our four pillars, and I'm a four pillars guy. I talk about it. But the thing is, those four pillars have to really matter. And they really have to be a, re- a reflection, not of the HR department. They need to be a reflection of the most senior leader because that's where accountability for culture begins and ends. So you talk about that in the book too, that, um, behind every great, and this is another lesson that you guys reinforced, uh, is I like to say all the time behind every great restaurant, it's a great person. Mm -hmm. And that culture is usually just like that person on paper. Right. 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 Uh, So what you have to be, if we digress for a minute, what you have to be careful of there is scaling a cult of personality. What I see a lot of in this industry is a lot of cults of personality cults of personality don't scale and what happens when that if something happens if that person for any reason has to exit the business now what yeah it's a people dependent organization not a system dependent organization exactly right um and you know i feel like we're getting a little bit ahead of yeah we, we are right. we're well. diving right in right. Right. Let's go. but no but like uh there's some truth to that and like it's it's weird because like behind every great organization is a great person but is that person so unique that they that there's no one else on the face of the planet that can be like them because like you said, then you're going to have trouble scaling. Um, or do you, do you have enough self-awareness to know what really matters to you? And do you use those few things and you lean into your core focus, the things that are, you know, I don't know, super distilled, you know where I'm going with yeah, this? Yeah, yeah. What are your thoughts on that? So you, have to, so you have to be willing to give it away to an extent. So you have to be able to define what matters most to you in your, in your organization. Write it down. So it's a great exercise for folks, if, you know, those who are listening right now. Write down the things that you think most exemplify what matters the most in your business. Four things, say. Write them down. Then go do that exact same exercise with all the leadership group, your servers, your staff, whoever you want, as many people as you can, and say, what are the four things that matter the most in this organization? Then see if you have a match. If you have a match, you probably have the makings of a pretty strong culture. You may not have defined it, but but it's being displayed. It's on display every day, and people are acting in concert with one another in the venue, which is scalable, and that is what you want. And that is if you need to remove yourself from the business for any reason, including scaling it, or you just want to grow, you need time to think, you can do it with confidence, and you need to be able to do that. What a lot of people do... Well, we'll go back. Let me uh, let me clean up that I didn't do the career arc. So I'll get I'll, I'll work. No, my sorry, way back. I have okay. a bookmark in my mind. Okay, so, all right. So we'll bookmark that. Ten years ago. So the career arc. Yeah. So <laughs> I ended up. Um, 
I don't have original thoughts. So I didn't know what I wanted to do. Like, I wanted to be my own man. I wanted to own my own business. But I'm like, I don't have anything. Like, what, what do I have to offer? So I was like, well, not the answer to that was nothing. And I started looking at franchises. Like, there's three things you don't ever want to type into a web browser, by the way. Franchise? <laughs> Franchise is one of the three. <laughs> What's the other two? I'll let you guess. What do you mean? <laughs> I mean, we know our audience. We, we, yeah, we, know, right, yeah. we can handle it. So uh, <laughs> you, you, don't want to, you don't want to type in insurance, right. franchise, or sex. Those are the three say. things you don't want to type related, into a web browser. Like, is it penis? Yeah. Is it, which one is it? <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, I got hit with the, a guy who was basically a franchise broker, and I and I, I was putting him off. You know, I couldn't, I didn't want to be I'm like, leave me alone. And finally, one guy wore me down. I liked him, and he's like, "Look, do this personality assessment," which got me. I love that stuff, right? So something else I nerd out on. I'm Our, trying to get the predictive index people on the show. I love that stuff, yeah, man. Yeah, they're based love in Westwood it. or West something, Westbrook, Massachusetts. Okay. And that's like right around the corner yeah. from me. And I yeah. was like, oh, I got to get these guys. Yeah, you should. Show. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, that's great I, content. No, good. I digress. So anyway, they presented me, you know, one of them was presenting me with this uh, franchise opportunity to do uh, bar metrics. And I'm like, what's bar metrics? I don't know. And they're like, well, uh, and this is not. Bar metrics. This is the representative. Oh, these guys help uh, failing bars and restaurants, which isn't the case, right? And I'm like, I don't know anything about that. Like, I'm not interested. Meanwhile, my 21-year-old son overheard the conversation, and I, I shot down everything that they presented me. I'm like, no, hard no, hard no, hard no. Try, you know, talk to me in a week. And he comes over. He goes, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> he goes, the bar thing. Tell me more about that bar thing. And, you know, at the time, he was just a gamer in his room going nowhere fast. And he lit up. And he's like, hey, Bar Rescue, Bar Rescue, which isn't us, right? Um, but he's like, have you ever seen the show? I'm like, I have no idea what that is. So he goes into his room and he starts playing me the YouTube or something of Bar Rescue. And he's like, inventory, you are supply chain. This, this is sweet spot for you. You'd be great at this. Thank you, son. And I'm like, and I'm like <laughs> thanks, hey, you, and so, well, look, yeah, Alex. Thanks, Alex. So I was like, you really think so? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, would you do it with me? Because I'd never seen him have this kind of energy. Yeah. It's like, you want to do it together? He goes, I'd do that. I'm like, call him back. Let's go. Like, just done. <laughs> Five days later, I had bought two franchises. I own four now. And I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed being in this industry. And I realize I'm an outsider. And I, and I don't try to be – I've been in it 10 years. I try to be a, a rye observer. I'm trying my best to help wherever I can with the books, yeah. the coaching – but that's also one of the biggest lessons I've learned too is that you don't need to have a background in hospitality to be a good fit for the the, the world of hospitality. Like I think some of the people that you you profiled in your book got late starts. Um, a few, a few, yeah. I can't remember Jackson exact, Cannon Jackson, did, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it really just comes down to do you have like the DNA, right? Yeah, and um, that pun wasn't intended. Yeah, we. I don't try to be any. I don't pretend to be anything I'm not. I I bet I turned down ninety percent of the. Um, consulting things that are asked of us. And I, what I basically do is I leverage the bar metrics business to give me reoccurring income on consulting. What sucks about consulting is chasing the next gig. And that's true. Whether you're Accenture, uh, EY, McKenzie, I've worked with all the big houses once upon a time, or whether you're somebody in between jobs as a bartender or a general manager, and you're like, look, I, I don't know where my next gig is, but I want to use what I know to help people. Chasing that next job sucks. Yeah. And so for us, I'm able to not have to do that. 
And what that then frees me up to do, and I'm kind of answering the career yeah. in a real lumpy way. No, no, it's good. So we jumped in 10 years later. The business does great. Some of my guys are here. I can rely on them to do that work. I can sort of hover over it and help people. And then the question is, well, how can I help? Like, what have I learned in 10 years? And how can I start to apply the things that are relevant from corporate America that that don't business is business at the end of the day. To, yeah but there's a few unique things about the, the service industry or the yeah. hospitality hospitality industry but at the end of the day it's yeah. it's relationships yeah it is but i would argue that this is unique uh like i i was blown away when i came into this and saw how much fit lands on the head of a pin for a bar and restaurant owner everything so like i said you go to corporate america you have a head of hr you got a head of finance you have controllers you have marketing people you have ops folks supply chain folks you have you have real estate you have all this all this core expertise that job their job it is is to support the store that's their whole mission in life all that talent resides on the head of a pin called the barn restaurant owner. Right. And they need to be an expert at all these things. And that's not possible. I think it's changing. I think I, I agree with that last statement that it's not possible to be the best today and be by yourself. On all those things. Right. Yeah, like, right. And, and it, the, the expectations only getting higher as, as technology evolves and as technology becomes more readily accessible to smaller operators and technology in all different verticals, marketing operations, like it, it like it's, it's, it's so hard to be on top of everything and to be good, good at everything. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, I think that you really need partners and you have a great chapter in this book about partnerships. Yeah. Too, yeah. Um, which I was really happy to see that chapter. So still getting a little ahead of ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, anything else we haven't tapped into as far as your come up story that we should know before we transition to the book. Uh, not that I can think of, not that anyone would care about. Yeah. So what was the, so you guys write the bar shift. Mm-hmm. Um, we might as well keep a chronological. How, what was that? 2016. How long? Sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. No. 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 Uh, 2018. 18. 18. Yep. 18. What was the 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 goal? I mean, we, we already talked a little bit about the bar shift. A lot about the bar shift in episode 976. Yep. But short short sorry, version. 973. Short version. He's the impetus for all this. So he calls me and says, "Hey, I want to do a 12 tips for Christmas for our clients. We'll do this thing. Uh, you in?" I was like, "Yeah, I can do that." I used to write blogs for Sean, and it's easy. And, and so what are we going to write about? And we said, okay, let's each come up with our list. And when we put it together, we paired it down to 41 things. Actually, I think it was 43, but two were repetitive. Um, and he said, well, hey, you want to write a book? And I, I said, yes, <laughs> after, after some thought. Um, People keep telling me I need to write a book, but I don't know. I don't know how you guys do well, it. I just don't have the, like, the, the first, desire. The first it's one so was much easy. Because uh, it was just a, mind, it was a brain dump. Yeah. Like we, just, we had this knowledge. Uh, it was stuff we knew. Any bar metrics franchisee could have written that book. Yeah. Any one of us. And frankly, most operators could have written that book. It's just nice and packaged. Like you said, it's great tips. And we have clients who are like, oh, we keep on the back shelf and we need something. I got guys who are like, yeah, whenever I go to the bathroom, I read a chapter. It's perfect, perfect length. Um, and that was the idea. Um, and that was it. Like, it's just that simple. It's, it's 41 critical lessons for management that, you know, you shouldn't have to learn the hard way. And if, if you're stuck somewhere, maybe this will jog your memory and stuff you already know. And you right? guys got great feedback from the book. You got some uh, acclaim, didn't you? Uh, mm-hmm. What was the... We just hit bestseller status on that one in four countries in eight, eight categories. Wow. Yeah. Congrats. Uh, thank you. Thank so you. how did that lead into hospitality DNA? Um, well... <laughs> 
Yeah. All right. <laughs> Again, well, he's the impetus for all this. Dave's was, the driver. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a bit, so like when you go into your personality studies and that sort of thing. So one of the categories that I fall into is achiever. <laughs> so that, what that kind of means is I'm a checklist guy. So every day I'm the kind of person who I want to, I want to look back on my day and say, I did this, I did this, I did this, I did this, or I'm not happy. Like if I, during COVID, like the worst feeling for me, and when I was trying to figure out what I was going to do next career-wise, was waking up every day and no one needed me. Right. And there was nothing for me to do. I mean, how many times can I cut the grass? Like, I, I have nothing to do. And I, I, you can, I feel I'm like, ah, I need something to do. So COVID hit. And Dave, I was fairly proud. Dave and I were very out in front on COVID, on business mm-hmm. coaching. We sort of read the tea leaves right. And we did a mini sort of, it wasn't a podcast, yeah, it was but it was like something a, that we did yeah, series. Uh, on an, with another group. And we were just giving, hey, here's how to prepare for what seems to be coming down the pike and how to take advantage of COVID. Mm-hmm. So instead of everyone going into a shell, let's, let's reinvent ourselves. Here's the opportunity to do all these things. Da, da, right. da, da, da. You have so time. we were doing that. Well, then COVID hit and the shutdown happened and... It was regionally, it was affected differently by region, by city, by state, by country. And if you're a support network for bars and restaurants, it was almost worse than being mm-hmm. bars and restaurants because some bars and restaurants started up, but they still didn't need us. Right. There was nothing for They're us to down. do. Right. And so I need something to do every day. And I said, hey, Dave, <laughs> let's write a second book. Like I, I have some I need ideas on a second book. And, and Dave, I was launching a second business with my yeah, wife. So Dave's yep. solution during COVID was he was opening up a whole nother big deal. We had bunch of businesses. It was massive. Yeah. And so I was like, and he was like, I can't, I do, can't it. do it. And so the thing between our partnership is Dave's the insider. Yeah. Dave's the one who knows he can, he can keep me in check. That's not applicable. That doesn't work. That language doesn't work. People in our industry won't understand that. I'm getting better at it. I mean, I've mm-hmm. been here 10 years, but still, he's the insider. So I don't really want to write a book without Dave. Yeah. Dave you know, and that's kind of the fun of it. Yeah, I the, also yeah. like to have a team and a partner. I don't want to do it on my own. And so we made a deal. I said, look, I'll get started without you. And you can catch up because he wanted to do it. He just was out of position to do it. And I knew this book was going to take a bit. So this wasn't something we were going to do in six months or a year. This was a three-year project. So it started during COVID. I'm giving you the long answer. No, it's good. This is a two-hour-long podcast. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's that's how it got started. And then the uh, the original idea of the book, we talk about this a little, yeah. isn't what the book ended up being. Mm. So it was a true research project. Yep. We didn't start with an answer and then reverse yeah. engineer it and that sort of thing. And that's yeah. one of the things that really resonated with me about the book, too, because I look at Restaurant Unstoppable as kind of as it evolves, it's becoming a research right. project. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's uh, this is my research. Yeah. You you know, this yeah. conversation is my research. Things that you mentioned in this interview will be my clue to go, you know, follow up and just kind of let the content steer the content. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll tell you what a big a big difference. So between the bar shift and this one, I said the bar shift was a brain dump, right? It was we just cranked it out. Once once we started writing something, we didn't really have to rewrite. This was work. It was fun work, like he said. Mm-hmm. The, the collaboration was intense, awesome. We would have we would do an interview and talk for two hours afterwards like what do we learn what do we got here I think it was about number four maybe three or four where we realized the first idea wouldn't work actually he realized the first idea wouldn't work we have something else here and this started to take shape and then just kept evolving through and then we both were chucking ideas in like once, once we had it rolling um but we did the interviews he would scratch down as much as he could right after the interview 
Um, as he said, I had to catch up, so he would say, "Dave, you, you owe me Did a you chapter." Record these interviews? Yeah, mm-hmm. we have them. We have almost all of them. There's two we lost. Uh, I'm pissed. Actually, one of them I'm really pissed about because I kind of needed it. So, so the second year. That was the first year. First year was interviews and trying to figure it out. Second year was me catching up and writing, him rewriting, uh, and us realizing that to do these people justice, we needed help. Now, we, we wanted to have somebody help us write it, which is what we thought we were buying when we, when we paid for the service we did. Um, to do this, it turns out they actually more so – they're more so big into like helping you monetize your book when you're done, but they also do some – Sort of, they drove us to write better. Effectively, is Got what it. they did. They're like, they didn't say, "Hey, here's how this should be." They say, "You don't like this this way? Go, go fix it." <laughs> We're like, "Oh, more work for us!" Woo! Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so, year years two and three were rewriting, reorganizing, figuring out the order of everything, getting it right, doing everybody justice, and and I can tell you the difference between the two books. The bar shift, it's fine. Uh, it's not a literary masterpiece. Um, hospitality DNA, like I was rereading it on the plane and, and I'm, I'm not, I don't want to sound, you know, arrogant or egotistical, but I was actually really proud of what, what we wrote. You should be. Some of them, I'm like, holy, this is like, this like feels professional. It feels very different. It's, it's cogent. It goes through clearly the, the writing's good. It's to the point. It gets to where it needs to be. And that's, that was, that's a three-year project. So the difference between, between the two is that. So if you're not in for that, for three years of just going at it, going at it, going at it, and making it as good as it can be, don't write a book. If that so, sounds fun, you do it. Yeah, and that's why I don't, people are like, why haven't you written a book? That's to answer your question from earlier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, like, no desire. It's tough, to man. It's, yeah. it's not. I have a podcast. Is that not enough? <laughs> I'm recording everything. It's this all there. my yeah. Yeah. You write. You listen to my podcast, and then you write the book. Yeah. Um, but, so what was it supposed to be originally? Customer service. Um, the original light. So uh, a little. I'll give you more since we're two hours. Since we're long. Yeah. <laughs> so the longer version of the answer is, I was talking to a friend of mine who's a who's a, a hospitality consultant in Australia, and I was kicking around what to do next, and we were exploring a bunch of different ideas. And then at that time, a book wasn't one of them. Yeah. And I and I said, yeah, maybe I'll just write a second book. And he goes, you know, that'd be great. You should. And we started having a book conversation. He goes, you know, all the books in Australia are American books, and we have to interpret. American uh, business culture and then apply it to what we do here. And that, uh, I didn't like that. I, for some yeah. reason, I was like, oh, that, that sucks. I don't, I don't like that idea. Um, and then I read some of the reviews on the bar shift, and, and they were great reviews, like five stars, thrilled. But then they said, yeah, but it's from an American perspective. And, and I thought, okay, hospitality is really a, is about uh, taking care of people and uh, different cultures and how do we how do we maybe write a business book that includes the world mm. was just a, a really and I and I love big ideas like that and I love travel and and all and I've had some of the most special experiences from people from all over the world and there was some element of that that I wanted to capture I didn't quite know exactly what it was so originally I had the idea that we would sort of do a tour of the world and see how concepts were created unique to the cultures that, that you are in uh, a culture on culture. Like what's our business culture, but then what's the, what's, what's the actual yeah. culture of the region or area or country in which I live and how do I plan around that? 
And the idea just didn't work. Like it just, did, no one could answer the question. Mm-hmm. So it was a bad question to ask. Well, so ironically, I think Dave and I um, spoke about this. Dave Domzalski and I spoke about this when I would, if I ever did something else besides this podcast, it would be probably a video um, like uh like like a like a vlog video documentary of traveling in different cultures mm-hmm. and learning about the what hospitality means to that culture. Yeah. But like how does it manifest? Like for example, yeah. the Japanese, it's right. all about predicting needs. Yeah. You don't yeah. ever let your guests ask for anything. Right. Or you don't ask them if they need something, you just bring it. Um you, you use an example of the book where uh it's like one of the oldest like the posture. Yes. Yeah. That was really cool. What was that? Show that I can't remember the details of it. So they take hospitality to what we would consider to be an extreme. Uh, there's a movie, Dave, Dave remembers the name of it. I think I was, it's the Lone Survivor. The Lone movie. Survivor. Uh, where, or book. Where if you're, if you're a visitor, if they bring you into their home, um, you are now their honored guest and they will die for you. Right. They, will, they, will, they will sacrifice their lives, their family, their whole safety because you are their guest now. Yeah. And that's how they view, like in a very simplistic term, that's how they view hospitality. Where is this? Where is this in the, in the world? This is in the Middle East, uh, Afghanistan. 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 Yeah. Afghanistan. Yeah. Well, it reminds me uh, that sounds familiar because um, I think it's it's Pakistani. Yeah, yeah, um, mm-hmm. similar. One of those. I think it's one of those. Somebody I had on the on the show, but they said that man, like the way that they manifest hospitality is whatever the best. Like if it's, if there, if it comes down to food, if there's like say it's like a barbecue, like the guests would get the burnt ends. Yeah, you know, like they get like, the good, the good yeah, pieces. like the cool yeah. thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. like whatever the best cut is, whatever the best mm-hmm. of the plate is, the guest gets that. And like, right. I think it would be so cool just to like to like go travel the country and try to find like how does hospitality manifest, but yep. then take it further and say why did we develop these traits as human beings? Why are we hospitable? Yeah, Survival. from like an anthropological standpoint, <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. it's because of like, and this kind of gets into, into like the geeky things like leadership mm-hmm. being seen. I think. Um, one of the reasons why you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like right above like security is like, do you see me? Mm-hmm. And I think one of the, re- like you wouldn't think it would be like that significant of a, a thing, but mm-hmm. I think because we're tribal, because you need the, you, if you took one of us and you, you put us out into the jungle, we wouldn't survive. Uh, same is probably true 10,000 years ago. You might have a better chance, but you probably wouldn't survive for long. Survival. You'd run into yeah. another tribe and they'd take, take you out. Yeah. Like you needed. Yep. To, to have a tribe. Right. It was a part of your existence, your survival. So what were, what are you doing? And you see this in chimps. Like mm-hmm. if they kill a monkey, they, they only, they hand out parts of the monkey to the people that they have the strongest relationships yeah. with because they know they need those allies. And mm-hmm. I think it's that simple. And mm-hmm. it's, and I think that's why we're generous. That's why we're warm. Because when I, you know, like when you kill the mammoth and I don't have any food, you're going to remember that when I killed the mammoth, <laughs> mm-hmm. I gave you some. Of yeah, right. right. I gave you some of my mammoth. What's going through your mind as I'm sharing? I this? think that's right. I that was it. that was the original book. So that's yeah. what we were going for, yeah. right? Okay. What is hospitality? So here's, you guys ever want to take another crack at it and want to bring in a third? No, I'm, I'm not a Dave. Well, I'll tell you what happened. I mean, so here's exactly what happened, and this is how this is how we ended up with this. So we would ask that question, but it was people didn't have that answer readily available. No. I don't think right? people That's think not, about it. Yeah, they no, don't. They but don't. if you if they you don't. dive into anthropology and, and human yeah. human behavior and, and ge- uh, evolutionary biology and evolutionary yeah. psychology, holy shit, there's something there. Which yeah. is that's true, but that's that wasn't. So, that's the, not the direction the, we, we were didn't taking. hit the crossroads. Yeah. So we were looking for this crossroads between the interviews of indus- Okay, I need to back up one more step. Yeah, get a little closer <laughs> to the mic too. Yeah, don't don't sorry. All right, sorry. Pull I got to back up one more step. Pull it closer. The net. The backing up one more step is. The book inspiration for me was Good to Great by Jim Collins. Yeah. 
I, uh, that book really imprinted on me uh, around 2000. The idea of that book, have you read Good to Gray? Yes. Okay. Oh, it was years ago. Years ago, right. So he researched the best of the best within publicly traded companies. Five, not, Fortune 500, right? Yep, Fortune yeah, Fortune 500. And he went to the 1% of the one percenters and said, hey, what do they do different? And then he wrote what I think is just a, a wonderful piece of work about what those leaders look like and how those businesses behaved. And that always stuck with me. So that was a little bit, I thought, man, wouldn't it be cool if we could write the hospitality sort of independent bar and restaurant version of a good to great, but we don't have the data. Right? We have no access to any data no. to do that. So what's our data point? We have to have some data point. So the data point was industry award winners. The industry is really good at recognizing itself, peer to peer and all these different things. So we thought, okay, that is a data point. So what if we go around? And so the idea isn't that we are necessarily celebrating award winners we're learning from them so we went around and we targeted people all over the world so that's why be- i love the book by the way because like and i keep i hate to keep on bringing it back to restaurant unstoppable <laughs> but like that's exactly what i'm doing yeah too. yeah and i'm, yeah. I'm saying like in a good it. way yeah, yeah. 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 like in like when I first started, I, I didn't know who was who, so I literally went to the like the Michelin star winners and the James Beard winners. Mm-hmm. Uh, I then noticed that those companies are, or not those companies, those award. I don't know, they're biased, and they only reward mm-hmm. people for. I mean, it's I get it that it's, it's about the, the food, yeah, yeah, and it's also just pretentious. It's like a it's like a club. Yeah, it's a little know? who you know. Yeah, yeah, and like it's like well, a lot of these like not every restaurant like we 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 reward these restaurants, and not every restaurant can can operate like that and be profitable. If we, right. if, if, mm-hmm. if we were just a bunch of James or James Beard and Michelin star restaurants, I just don't know how we can make that fiscally, I don't know, possible. Mm-hmm. Like what about the people who are more fiscally geared? And I think fiscal responsibility gives you the, the, the power to take care of people. And mm-hmm. there's something that's that there's, there, there's, there's something that's you know romantic about that too. Mm-hmm. I'm totally cutting you off. Sorry. No, it's all right. And look, it's all that's all legit. That's the, that's the book. And and it's also important to note, you know, we have bartenders in here. We don't just have owners. So there's bartenders in here that are global award winning bartenders who are just amazing. There's brand ambassadors in there. Angus Winchester wrote yep. a glorious forward for the book. That we had to, we had to, we had to constantly look at the forward. And go, oh my god! Like the forward, he said the book bar. was amazing. Oh, he before did. the book, he was like, "This book is great. You had to buy it." Like we haven't written it. Yeah, yet. yeah. Oh, like, god, but, we so right. <laughs> we really owe Angus for amazing setup. Oh, so yeah. we wanted that. We we wanted a really interesting cross section of not just. We you can tell we didn't go in. I think award winning chef, chefs get a lot of play in this industry. TV shows everywhere about food, 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 food. And we love that. That's great. But there's a, there's another side of the business, so we put a little bit in the book. There's a little bit more emphasis all on consumer the, facing stuff. It is. There's mm-hmm. nothing out there for the the restaurant operator. We were going more for the restaurant operator, and yeah. when we're a little bit more, we hew a little bit to the bar side. Probably yeah. the nature of the business and yeah, who we we'll have do. access to. You know, it's kind of in my mantra. You know, take care of take care of people, treat them well. Who's your group of friends, and that's what you do every week. You say, who should I talk to? That's what we did with the book. Mm-hmm. Who do we talk to? And we just followed that and trusted it. And uh, so what happened, we go back to the failed original concept. People just didn't have that answer top of mind. Yeah. So what they would start to do, their default would, would be, this, they is what would, I did. this is what I did. Yeah. And mm-hmm. let me tell you what I believe in. Yeah. And, and so like Dave was spot on. The first four or so, we were like, oh, that was the best. Yep. 
and can you believe we were like in, uh, can you believe and this was and then and then after that we would say oh man what a bummer we didn't get anything out of <laughs> we that get interview what we need. <laughs> like none of what we needed but yet so we did that about four times and and yeah. I remember I called Dave and I said Dave I I, I don't think this is a them problem I think this, this is, is an us, us yeah. problem and, and well, you we're being your, handed gold here yeah let's yeah. just mine it and that's one of the things that when you have a motive or like an opinion or a belief or like an objective that starts to steer the ship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when you just shut that off and you just listen mm-hmm. and yeah. you're, I say guest, but you're, I guess you would call interviewees. Them your, your interviewee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They'll steer you in the direction that, that feels right to them. Yeah. Yeah. That happened a lot. There were, there were multiple times where we went in like, Oh, we're going to get something about data information from this guy. And then they would say three things and the conversation would just, yeah. Cause go you like read direction. an article about right. somebody who mm-hmm. was writing an article about data and they, they're right. forcing people into the mold of their agenda. Yeah. Right. Then you assume that person's an expert on data yeah. right. and this is not the case. The most yeah. frustrating piece in, in that in a weird, in a weird way um, is that so many of these people exemplified way more of the topics that they, they existed in the book. And so we had to figure out where do we put them? How many chapters do we put them in? How do we put them in? Cause there's people in here who, who could have been an example for every single yeah. one of the chapters. How many people did you total uh, interview? I want to say it's 27. It's between 27 and 30, but I think it's 27. We feature more. There's a few people that are featured who are, who Not are yep. part of a story who mm-hmm. are in there. So there's probably 30 to 40 yeah, people 30. Yeah, that we talk about. I think we interviewed 28. You should know that number. <laughs> 28, I think, is the number. We're just here for the journey, man. Yeah. But the, the cream of a crop type individual. Yeah, about 100%. It. You guys really shot for the stars and the people you're Only, talking. Yeah, oh, I mean, yeah. look, it was an exercise in excellence. We weren't, oh, yeah. we were pursuing what does it mean? Look, Jim, Just, the yeah. Jim Collins book was my inspiration. So and, I was in pursuit of excellence. What does excellence look like, really? Yeah. And so in the interviews, you would get excerpts of people who would just hit on something and be like, I, I, I can't believe, like the Inception archetype to me, blew me out of the water. Yeah, with blew me out of the water. I thought that was, now other people might hear that and go, Dave, look, I've 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 understood that for years. That's amateur. For me, blew me away, and I feel like I've been exposed to some smart marketing stuff. Yeah, I think we should uh, take our first break to thank our sponsors. When we come back, we'll start really unpackaging what the final book came out, how it came out, how it was structured, and maybe start diving into some of these these like these nuggets that you guys picked cool. up. This episode is brought to you by Reachify. Why are you still taking phone calls when you have online services that can support the majority of your callers' needs? Redirect your callers so you can focus on the food and the guests across the counter. Reachify is powerful and flexible. For example, with advanced automation and call deflection, Reachify prevents missed caller opportunities and diverts callers to on online actions such as online ordering or reservations which means orders come in faster and more accurately reachify delivers safe and secure communication across multiple platforms with intelligently routed messages to the right people thereby increasing accountability within the team allowing your in-office and mobile teams to stay connected with reachify you save hours of labor expense by reducing dedicated phone staff. As a matter of fact, some Reachify users have seen a reduction in 40% of their phone staff. That's pretty good. And how's this for a cherry on top? There are no long-term contracts. That's awesome. Reachify, 
be in control of the conversation you want to have when you want to have them. Hop on to reachify.io slash unstoppable to find out how to revolutionize the way your restaurant does business. And when you use that link, get one month free after onboarding. That's reachify.io slash unstoppable. In in the timeline, um, okay, when we left off, we, we you talked to us, to us about what you wanted the, the book to be and yeah. then what it and became. And how it evolved, yeah. And, but I don't think we really got into exactly like what the end product was. So before we dive into the chapters and we already kind of pulled out some nuggets, what is the end product? So the way this, the way this ends up being presented to the reader is it's not a book of stories. That's, that's a miss. I don't find a ton of value in a book of stories. So we did these interviews and we were at the, and this is the beginning before we got into the whole sciencey DNA concept, we were sort of looking for superpowers or traits. So think about superheroes all have a unique power. Some can fly, some can swim, right? Some have a green ring, whatever it is, right? So we were, we were sort of looking for these things that we considered to be a superpower that we ended up calling building blocks. What's your superpower was a question. And people would say, I don't have one. And yeah. then they would go on to basically... I call that the it factor. So yeah, there's a lot yeah, of similarities. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, and then, so then we, it was our mission to find it. So we would look for this thing that really made them special, that differentiated them. What's then the story that connects that talent or power uh, to uh, a business outcome? And then how do we teach off of that? So each chapter has, maybe it has more than one. Some have more than one. Yep. But it features usually a person or two, maybe three, a story or two, not long. Some are longer than yeah, others. But for the most part, it's a, your point. It's a vignette. It's vignette. Yeah. But then we, Dave and I have a responsibility as coaches to, we have to coach out on this. So, yeah. hey, great story. Great lesson. I get what you're saying. Thanks for introducing me to this, pe- this person. But so what? Well, we have to answer that. So what? And that so is here's how now you take this that they shared with us and apply it to your business. And we owed that to the reader. That's the idea. So those are the first 15 or 16, whatever it is. Yeah, it's a, if about 15. But our work isn't done yet. We haven't defined hospitality DNA yet. So that and was. The, you start the book off um, talking about the, the helix, the hospitality DNA. Right. Mm-hmm. That was a decision made towards the end. And actually, two things happened towards the end of writing everything. One was reorganizing the chapters in a way that made sense. And we were looking at it, and I realized that if you treated all the people in the book as one person, you effectively have here is one person's journey from uh, from birth or whatever, from early days through to excellence in the industry. Um, so once I once once I caught that, we reorganized it and, and pulled it that way. Um, and the other thing that happened was uh, actually a long debate between us and our and the publishing company we worked with was. Do we give the the reader the DNA traits in the beginning and give them that so, hey, you can read this book through this lens, or do we leave it as a reveal at the end? And so we made the decision very consciously and much like it was probably – it was the last huge conversation we had. Uh, and I think we did it right because it, it, allows the, it allows the reader to go through the book understanding what the point of these stories is and what ties them together. So that's, that's why that decision was made there. And then the last two chapters. So, so it's the last five last chapters five. Oh, are the yeah. helix points. So oh, yeah. so you have the first well, 15, 16 chapters. Well, good because there's there's the two the two the connecting chapters in the middle as well. The mentorship partnership. Yeah. However, however. Oh, okay. However, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So you have the first set of you have the first set of chapters, which are the stories and the lessons. 
But we have to string that together to define hospitality DNA. So we say, here's all these stories and all these neat lessons and all these superpowers or what we call building blocks. Now, what do these, all these people have in common? Because that's really the end goal. We're trying to define right. hospitality DNA. And that's the helix. That's, that's the, helix. the helix. Yeah. And so we came upon the five things that we said, you know what? These are the five traits that bind all these people together. Can I say them? Yes, of Go course you can. Yeah. So we Go. have number one is humble nature. Number two is explorer's pursuit. Number three is a lifetime of experience. Number four is in, indomitable spirit. What does indomitable mean? Indomitable uh, un- is inability to be defeated. Unstoppable. Yeah. It's unstoppable. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Lots of parallels here. Yeah. Uh, extra, uh, extraordinary culture. Extraordinary mm-hmm. culture. Yeah. yeah. With the Can 90s, you say X those extreme. Words the same way. Extraordinary. Or extra, extra, ex- extraordinary. Extraordinary. Just, extraordinary. Yeah, I know. It's a funky word. Yeah. I'm not the best reader. I'm not going to lie. It's all good. There's a reason why I talk. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> we, we play to our strengths. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so those are the five. Mm hmm. Um, I mean, I don't know if it's worth. Do you want to go through all those? You yeah, can do whatever you want. It's your show. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I also don't want to give away your book. I'll give it away. <laughs> no, man, it's, but there's plenty to read. There's plenty yeah. to read after yeah. this. Yeah. So the first five. So humble nature. Like what? Humble nature was a fun one. Um, it was one of the two that Dave and I weren't necessarily expecting, and we had to debate. He had one. I had one. Mine was humble nature. Once it, it didn't take long to convince because it, it became kind of obvious, but it wasn't something we were looking for. Um, and, and funny enough, as we're talking to people, there's a lot of industry people are like, yeah, of course, of course. Um, but humble nature came out of, of a conversation somewhere through about halfway through the interviews where I was just like realizing um, these people almost never attribute their success to personal. There's no, there's no arrogance coming out. Um, they might be proud of what they've created. They might they might have a lot to say about about how awesome what they've created is, but it always came with uh, with an asterisk of I could not do this without my team. Well, kind of every time, yeah. And I think one of the things that people who are great leaders tend to be really great self awareness, mm-hmm. their their mm-hmm. vision. This is what's possible. Let's go do this. But they're very self aware, and they know that they're they're not good in the dirt. All the little technical things mm-hmm. that you need to be good at to be successful. They surround and, and themselves that, with great well, people. Well, yeah, and yeah. I think I mean. Uh, I mean, that's, that's exactly how I feel with the people that I work with right now too. Like, it's like the people, like my editors and like, I, I'm, a, I'm a speedboat at going like 60 miles an hour on top of the water mm-hmm. and I'm not good at slowing down and getting in the submarine and right. with the arms and pulling things apart, mm-hmm. which is right. probably why I haven't written a book yet. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then the, go ahead, Dave. the other side of the other side of the humble nature, um, it's not to be confused with meekness or, or, um, shrinking down. Um, there's a there's almost a contradictory element to it that we've been discussing a lot lately um, because you also see these people if you know the people in the book um, you'll see them out there peacocking sometimes right um, they'll they'll get up there and they'll celebrate themselves and what but they've earned that first off and secondly there's there is um, there's nothing that says you can't be humble and yet still again back to what I said a minute ago celebrate what you've created your team and and who you are like you yeah. worked hard to get here. Yeah. Um, cause every day, every single day they are more than willing, actually by habit, by who they are, by their core being, they give, right. They just naturally, they naturally give to others. Um, it's part of who they are and there's, there's no more humbleness and humility than I see than, than in my experience, um, than going to a bar, the owner's there, uh, and he's making you a drink or she's, she's, she's running to grab you something cause that's part of who they are. So when the day is done. That's what we're talking about with the, the humble nature. And when they're on that stage accepting that award and saying, I'm proud of what we have here. This is awesome. Yay us. 
Oh, hell yeah, you've earned that. Yeah. And there's no reason that those two things can't exist in the same space. Yeah. Nitzel, what do you want to say? Um, you, you wanted to contribute something. No, that was it. I was, gonna, I was just going to uh, jump in and say, a humble nature doesn't mean, ah, shucks, kick rocks. Yeah. You know, it's okay, it's okay to be proud. And you can't decouple ego and success. Yeah. That's, that's a lie. So um, these folks have the self-awareness and the appre- a certain level of appreciation and humility about how tough this is, how quick success can go away, and how reliant they are upon others to execute on uh, their vision. They were very dialed into that. And yeah. it, that, it, it did take a minute. We didn't – I don't know why. It, that one should have been more obvious. So this yeah. was an iterative process. We, mm-hmm. Dave and I didn't agree on everything, and we would have <laughs> – unbelievably long conversations, yeah, borderline like arguments about what, how we read the outcome. Like, you know, you may have looked at the same amount of data and you, you may have come to different conclusions. It was a research project. Yeah. So, you know, we're looking at data and research and trying to decide, hey, in the end, what are we going to tell people that hospitality DNA is? Yeah, we got to get that right. Like yeah. we can't be wrong on this. Right. At the very so, least, we have to believe it, and it has to yeah. be a good, solid and, foundation. And we want the data to be our guide. Yeah. But then we also have to be able to coach it. So it's not enough for us just to define what it is, but we need to be able to explain it and then coach it. And how do you apply this to your business? That's what we do. So there's a lot that goes. There's a lot of. I mean, a lot of work went into figuring it all. So that out. was humble nature. Mm-hmm. Explorers yeah. pursue. Yeah, this was fun, right? This yeah. was really neat. This is where we argued. So yeah, we did. This <laughs> one took this one took a bit because it, it was hard to get your mind around this. Yeah, it wasn't easy figuring this I, out. We're still figuring it out. Like, yeah, we are still figuring it out. I was like, oh shit, that's yeah, about it. yeah, yeah. I mean, I worry sometimes about coming on a podcast with the likes of you and you're asking me a question <laughs> I don't know the answer to exactly because you know how much have we been pressure that's tested? That's how I feel about everybody I have on the show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the guy who asks questions. I'm talking to these people who are super successful. Yeah, yeah. So. It, look, it makes me nervous. So Explorers Pursuit was really cool so again these interviews would start i'm going to answer i'm going to answer go ahead and not kill two birds with one stone here okay lifetime experience which is the l and explorer's pursuit most stories started out with when i was 14 i I started as a dishwasher when i was eight my dad made me uh 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 Pour him cocktails when I was and three. Spears. My parents opened a restaurant. When yeah. I was three, my, right? My dad lost his bar. Was taken. So if you're away listening from to me. the audio ver- version of this, uh, Dave Domzelski pointed at me. <laughs> oh, right. sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I was three when my parents opened me. a restaurant. Right, right, right. That's how most of the story started. So the L is lifetime experience. It took no talent for us to figure yeah, that out. Okay, <laughs> that that was easy. So we'll just cover the L. The E was similar though. It would start out. I started out at a certain age, but then I traveled. I explored, which is, it, it's in a way, it's so obvious in the end, it's the essence of hospitality, isn't it? Yeah. But the, yes. And they have a, almost to a person, had an, un, what would you say, unquenchable thirst to go out and learn and explore yeah. and put themselves in uncomfortable situations. And they don't back away from it, they embrace it. Yeah. And in that, they would learn like crazy right. because you're like you said your senses are heightened you're you're outside your tribe so it's yeah, danger yeah. right danger's up well, so senses much. are heightened and i'm absorbing more information than what i would i would if i was just walking to work the same path i've walked a million times but now i'm in a foreign land experiencing foreign food foreign people foreign cultures they absorb these things all right, so that's part one, mm-hmm. but that's just that's just the harvest. 
they come back and they use that experience to somehow that manifests itself again in a venue in some way that becomes guest facing, yeah. which is so cool. We have um, Devender. So Devender is a, is a bartender at the Mandarin in, in Hong Kong. Yeah. Unbelievable story. His story starts in India and he winds his way through and he ends up uh, an award-winning bartender in Hong Kong. Incredible, incredible story. Oh, yeah. And he was in a competition in Sweden, of all places, where they're going foraging. India, Sweden. Yeah, First he's time got, he ever did it. He had never done this. He had no idea what he was getting into it. I'm thinking about Drew Neimport. No, no, uh, Tales of the Cocktail. Yeah, yeah uh, Neil, Neil Bodenheimer. Neil, Neil, Neil Bodenheimer. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, Neil Bodenheimer. Yeah, Neil, 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 yeah. Past guest on the show. I've had him on the show. Too. Uh, yeah. I saw that one. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. yeah. yeah. Uh, Neil's great. But he's got a great story, too. Unbelievable. Yes. He's in there. Great. Oh, sim- God, very yeah. similar, right? Exploring with his brother. Southeast Asia. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. So, you know, Devender goes and finds a flower. <laughs> and, and twigs and sticks and flowers. And he's making cocktails and spirits out of this. Wins this Win huge competition. Place. Yeah. But then he's taken that back now to somewhere like the Mandarin Hotel, and he's he's giving that yeah. to guests as an experience that he went and harvested in the forests of Sweden. Yeah. All right. So that's that sounds crazy. That's not crazy. And the people in this book are doing this sort of thing right. on the regular. So we, it, we started discovering that, and I said, Dave, it's again, it's right in our face. Like everyone started young. Everyone's traveling like crazy. It makes total sense when you think about the essence of hospitality yeah. is travel in a way, isn't it? Yeah. Right? Dude, you're, you just hit a vein. Yeah. Because I I would love to see a future. If I'm ever president, this is what I'm going to go for. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm in. Uh, a <laughs> hospitality-driven economy. That's interesting. Hmm. That's I, interesting. How would how that work? Just this, this idea that, um, well, first of all, like, I think it's a core of who we are and uh-huh. how we're meant to be on this planet. Like we're meant to take care of people. We're meant to provide. But instead of bringing the food to the people, I think you should bring the people to the food. I don't know if it's like this, this, this idea of, of, of um, globalism of like the fact that we can get bananas and pineapples and like not Crazy. think twice about it's it. Like, like, like we're yeah. entitled to that. Yeah. And that, the, <laughs> that where these bananas, <laughs> like where these bananas and pineapples are coming from. Like halfway those, across the world. Are those people being taken care of? Probably not. Like, is it, the story of quinoa is, yeah. is horrifying, and you're taking their, yeah. their you're taking their draw, their natural yeah. resources, and you're pulling it out we, where you could use that natural resource to pull people in. Yeah, and I think in the direction well, we're going, but like hospitality driven economy, like you want our fucking apples or, or pineapples and bananas, come get them. There, there are some countries figuring this out too. They're they're, they're creating hospitality based tourism, um, and this is I don't think it's that new. Uh, but I'm coming across more articles, and I could not give you any examples. I'm, I'm sorry, but um, where they are featuring, here's our food, here's what we do, here's how we do food, here's, and they bring people well, you in. Look at where we're going with the, the evolution of transportation, how we're getting way better. Dude, they, if, we, if we start using some um, nuclear power, if we get over our fears of nuclear, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> we're going like to we can move people way. around pretty you, efficiently. You know there's a new jet fuel that actually is carbon neutral. It actually it, it doesn't produce carbon dioxide. And these these uh, scientists, I want to see probably Sweden, somewhere somewhere in Europe, have figured out, uh, and it's they're figuring out how to mass produce. There's, and, we know how. Yeah. The technology's there. It's yeah. just a matter of getting it's people cool to stuff. adopt. Access to. Right. Yeah, and, if we, and I feel like you take the money from these first world countries, and you and you you literally move the people into these these other countries, and you inject that, that that that's how globalism should work in my mind. Not pull the food away from the you don't pull the natural resources away and 
I feel like we're just raping these these companies, these these countries. Yeah. Like our our message is go visit, go yeah. get uncomfortable, yeah. go visit, and go explore. I mean, that's what. So it's not our message; it's what we were taught, it's what yeah. we learned. That's the message: is go do these things, and you whether you're in look whether you're in hospitality or not, you come back richer. Yeah. Having gone, I mean, when I go, I still talk to this day. I talk in the book about the experience at curfew in Copenhagen. <laughs> he talks about it. He Humberto about it last night. and Antonio. Again. Yeah, One night. Life changing night. I mean, just unbelievable hospitality. You'd look at Umberto and Antonio, who's Antonio isn't there anymore, but at that time he was. So These are guys are. from Portugal who made their way to Scotland, who are now running a world-class bar in Copenhagen that had a couple Americans come in for a night. They got reference to them by a guy from England. When Restaurant Unstoppable <laughs> goes international, you're the first call. Oh, dude, you got you. <laughs> Let's now, go. Now, with all this, there's a really important concept here that I'll make it really quick so we can tie it up. It's not just that they travel. Mm-hmm. It's how they do it and the intent with which they do it. Mm-hmm. And I would encourage anybody listening to this, inside or outside of the industry, next time you take a trip um, to anywhere, and you're gonna, you have to eat. You have to eat. You have to. You're probably going to drink. A lot of people do. And if you don't, whatever. You know, bummed out. You keep making. What? <laughs> I was so excited to come down here, and like I saw the bars that you guys are working oh, with. Yes. I, like, I love there. bourbon, dude. Oh, oh my I'm god. so sorry. Dram and um. The stomach river. kept him away last night, guys. Oh my god. <laughs> oh look, the, co- so, the cocktails here last oh, night. Was phenomenal, here, dude. I was just like phenomenal. son of a bitch. Sorry, yeah. but but yeah, sorry. it's that it's that <laughs> intent. It's that intent of driving there with a purpose to experience something new and exposing yourself to. It makes it it, it changes your. Go sit on a beach, have a have a pina colada. Fine, go find that hole in the wall that everybody says is the best, um, and sit there and find out why. Experience why it changes. Go your perspective. find a friend who lives in that place and sleep on their couch. Yeah, and let them show you around. Yeah, right. work a reference. If you you're yeah, work a Make, reference. Bartenders love to love to talk and love to communicate. Everybody likes to talk about their experience. Ask them what's the be- the bartenders anywhere you go in any city. If you ask them where where's the best spots to go. Uh, in this city for bar, for cocktails. Okay, got that one. For a good time, um, for great conversation. They're going to know those answers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're going to, you always have a friend so and the, they will, they will tell you. This manifests mm-hmm. a lot in the show um, when I'm, I'm, I'm constantly telling people like, don't, if you were passionate about the hospitality industry, or you think you want to be in the hospitality industry, don't go to college. I believe this. <laughs> Spend that money on yep. travel and, and getting perspective. And if you are good at this work, you will have a job waiting for you everywhere you go. Yeah, we you, do. You can pay for your 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 education through travel, and gain, you can get paid to get educated. Yeah, we had a. We, there is a part in the book I felt obligated to write, which was there's a little bit in there about what we didn't find, so what wasn't true, mm-hmm. and one of them was um, edu- mean, education was didn't say, play a role. It doesn't. Now that doesn't, doesn't mean. Now to be fair, I, it doesn't hurt. No. no, it just didn't. We didn't find it as a trend I, in industry award. I did winners. see one trend in my my research that if you are older. Like twenty three plus, and you're going to school the second time. You know what I'm saying? Like older in terms of relative to when you go to school. If you, yeah, if you've worked in the industry mm-hmm. and you're older and you go to culinary school, mm-hmm. they well, they get so much out of that. Culinary school is different. I, I feel it's different. So hospitality school versus culinary are very very different. Yeah, and I it's it's uh it's it this is a, an experience based uh, explanation. My wife uh, has a master's in hospitality. Um, and she worked in a hotel for 30 years. I said, how often did you use that degree? She said, never. Yeah. Never but use that degree once. Then, now, culinary, 
man, these people will teach you how to do stuff with food that you just, you're not going to learn. But it's still just the foundation. I think that the, the most important thing is if you show up and you hustle and bust your ass, the pe- those professors are going to see that and they're going to open doors for you. Mm-hmm. They, they will, truly, yeah, they could. And that's where I think the benefit is, is yeah, it's getting relationships. Cause it's literally like, and I, I, I had get Gavin Kaysen on the show mm-hmm. uh, the other day. Um, he spent the majority of his, his career working for Daniel Balud, right? He worked at a hotel as a chef and then he went to work for Daniel Balud and now he owns his own, uh, Swanier restaurant group in Minneapolis. Eight years he spent with Daniel Balud. Uh, the point I'm trying to make is that it's all about who you surround yourself mm-hmm. with. And if you can impress a professor and that, that professor will get you into the doors that will slingshot your career. I, I would, I would put a, put a little underline on that. You need to know who, who you're going to study with and, and where they're, where they're kind of intentional. Lie. Be yeah, intent, yeah. Do it with intent. Don't just go and say, I hope that one of these people does. We have, uh, we have cat, um, who, who intentionally went after a mentorship uh, with? I am blanking on the name. Uh, she went to London to Marian. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, he, the, the guy said, "If you Marian ever want Beck. a job, come Marian back." Marion Beck. Marion Beck. Yeah. yeah. The, so the general manager, right? If you ever want a job, she made that connection outside of hospitality school. Could have been made inside, but again, you have to know. And she knew who he was. She knew she wanted to get to him. She took the opportunity when it presented itself. She moved with intent. I think you're right. You can do that inside of the hospitality, yeah. the schooling. I mean, that's the only time I've seen education playing a role is yeah. if you the take advantage of it. That's right. <laughs> that's kind like, of true. In, yeah. in a lot of, in a but lot most of young fields. people don't. 18 years old, yeah. you're like, you're trying to get laid and you're trying to get a good time. <laughs> you're, you're good most for you, 18, too. you know, like it, it takes getting a lot of that out of your system and knowing, like, and going into culinary school with a lot of intentionality. Yeah. Uh, but I do agree with that, that, that it's not, it's totally it's, unnecessary. And it's not going to replace experience. No. It just isn't not not in our not in our findings. It's just not going to because that 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 experience is critical and that goes to that that lifetime experience. Lifetime point. experience well, is also massive. When I hear lifetime experience, I think of the ten thousand yes rule because yep. did you make you mentioned yep. that in the book? Yes, right? uh, but it's it's like you're you're getting a head start. So you're like if you grew up in a restaurant, by the time you're like you know looking for a job, like I remember this. My parents had their restaurant from the time I was three to thirteen, and I remember going to work at other restaurants, and they're like how old are you? Like I'm um, 16. They're like, how do you know what you're doing? Right. I grew up in a restaurant, you yeah. know? And it's just like that yeah. unfair advantage of uh, it's putting the time in. Yeah. So like you're, it's not unfair. Well, it's not, you know, <laughs> you bust like, your ass. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying? It's like, a competitive advantage. It's, a competitive advantage. advantage. it's just sure. time in. You're getting a head start. Sure. You're getting yeah. a 10 year head yeah. start. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. Lifetime experience was easy. Yeah. That one took us no time to find. We went like, Oh boy, everyone, almost everyone except Jackson who, in a way, did start early, but he detoured. But he was always like always vibing off the bar yeah. and restaurant industry. He's Wait, a so fun story. He played music, not he played music, not uh, to play music, but to get into the bars. To be, to he used that as a gateway to be in that. He's space. up in New Hampshire too, Boston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boston. Garrett Harker was his business partner. Yeah, I had Garrett on the show. A lot of those people. I haven't had him on the show though, so we should probably look. Yeah. He look. He's, he's a, a yeah. good one. He's, he, a good one he's like a Hemingway guy. Yeah. Like he, you got to be on your game when you talk to him. He's sharp. I'm sure, my stomach's doing better. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's awesome. Heal up. Yeah. Um, so I think we can wrap up lifetime experience. Yeah, uh, yeah. Indomitable spirit. Indomitable spirit. Yeah. Um, it's funny that one comes from the the the, uh, the idea came from Taekwondo, um, big part of of Dave's life, Dave's family, and and we use that as the as the overlay to the concept, which is this is this is a group of people who 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 have it in them, uh, the mental stamina and physical stamina to 
be unstoppable. Like to, cause I mean, we're here, let's, we're going to use that. And we could have easily said unstoppable. Right. Um, I would have been okay with it. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, we can, it's, a, it's synonymous. I would have been like, yes. Yeah, you, uh, have, you have people It doesn't that, fit in the helix. We couldn't figure out how to make it worse. We had yeah, to use it. Uh, but they, they, you can't get them down, right? They, they'll have their bad mm. days and good, but um, they just don't give uh, up. They keep buoyancy. going until it's done. Huh? Buoyancy. Buoyancy? Yeah, it's, 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 it just keeps showing up. That's you, one of my yeah, core values. you got to face down a lot of challenges a lot in this of challenge. industry. It's brutal. I mean, look, I, I'm, I'm in awe of that. Like yeah. I said before, I, I look at what these bar owners have to do. Um, you have to crush every night. You know, every day is a new day. Every experience is a new experience. You're subject to Yelp reviews and Google reviews. And Insurance. you have a turned style of sorts with staff, which, you know, we, we hope to um, sort of forestall some of that in the book. But th- this is tough. R- real estate, economy, COVID, turnover, pricing, costs, online reviews regulation so here's the thing about it you can't just overcome it that's not enough because people have wherewithal to overcome that grit people have grit the folks that we in my opinion the folks that we interviewed overcame it with a smile Mm -hmm. they overcame it unscorned have we used the word optimism yet i don't know that i would call them optimists Mm -hmm. No, there's, I don't a lot, think there's a lot fits. of sultry, uh, sultry guys and, and gals in this thing. Like, kind of, uh, they're gritty, but they but they love they giving to people. Mm. They they are they they get their juice out of giving experiences to others, and they love that the approval. And they deal with what comes with it. They don't love the fact that they come with it. And I wouldn't call them eternal op- optimists. In fact, I have cocktails last night with busy, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah, look, yeah, well, I think there's good balance between pessimism and optimism. There's some healthy pessimism like, yeah. and yeah. skeptical optimism. Like optimism. Realism, maybe. Yeah, like the the, yeah. The, the the optimism helps you show up. The pessimism helps you challenge. Yeah. What you're being told. Yeah. You know, challenge the status quo. Open mind. You yeah. know. Yeah. A lot of rebels in the industry. A right. lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's fair. That's why you get along so good. Yeah. Nitzel's, yeah. That's, he's, yeah. He's, a, he's a shoe-in. <laughs> Easy so, fit. Any other thoughts around Indomitable Spirit? Before I think it's, it, it, it's pretty straightforward. Yeah. 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 Um, ex- extraordinary culture. This I, I'm deferring right here to my, my co-author. This is his, his special sauce. Well, culture is the rock upon which we build our business. So most of these folks have well-defined cultures and they aren't leading a cult of personality so they can be removed from their business which propels them and allows them to go multiply and do well, other things sorry go going. ahead no it's well, i was gonna say i can't help but think of um coyote ugly yeah oh yeah Lil. Uh, Lil, she's right? was she the culture she's she was she was brand or clarity was she the clarity example she was in was she cl- I, she was you know, she was in clarity yes she was in clarity with Jack, we're talking about those are the, the, the titles of the chapter. Yeah, there's yeah, those are the yeah. those are the building yeah. blocks. She yeah. was yeah, she was clarity. Chapter three. Yep. Yeah. So if we if we talk about Lil for a minute, which is awesome, Lil's really cool. Amazing. Look, person. Lil's someone I didn't I didn't know if we could get Lil for the book. <laughs> he okay. celebrity status, huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And so uh, we were connected on LinkedIn. That's the extent I knew Lil was we were LinkedIn connected. So I sent her a note, I took a flyer. And I was like, Hey Lil, I'm writing a book and I'd like you to be in it. Like, no response. <laughs> Because why would she? 
So I came back at it. It's like, hey, look, Lil. Still writing the book. I'm still writing the book, <laughs> and you still haven't responded, right? Like, no response. I'm like, Lil, I'm relentless. This isn't going <laughs> to stop. Gonna you go. want this to stop? Yeah, 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 right, yeah. And she, then she responded. She goes, let's do it. And she has been an absolute Amazing. joy yeah. and a great advocate. So advocate, look, here's, yeah. here's what I think is cool about Lil, and this is the business nerd coming out in me. And this may... This may not resonate with everyone in hospitality and how people position hospitality. Hospitality, in my mind, isn't about what you want to give, but it's about what someone wants to receive. And I think a lot of times people who struggle in hospitality are focused on what their wants and needs are. So if you look at that failure rate, I think that there's more likely than not categories of people that fall into the category of, man, I love bourbon. I want to open a bourbon bar. I love to cook barbecue. I want to open up a barbecue restaurant. And I say singularly, that is a horrible reason to open a bar or restaurant. You're asking to be part of that fail rate. However. So, no, however. Okay. No. So in the case of someone like Lil, if you peeled this back, and we do a little bit of this in the book, and I said, hey, I got an idea for a bar. All right, you with me? Yeah, all right, here's my <laughs> idea. We're not going to do any draft beer. Your first response, well, okay. Well, uh, sure. Draft is, is painful. We're not going to do cocktails. Cocktails suck. We're not going to do yeah, cocktails. Yeah, those are hard to build. It seems odd, though. Yeah. No cocktails. We're not going to do that. Yeah, I can see uh, it. No food. We're not going to do what? food for these people either. So that's, that's okay. No food. All right. So no food, no cocktails, no beer. We're going to do, I'm just going to do bottled beer, and uh, we'll do shots. Well, but I mean, if you're not going to have food, you got to at least give people water. Uh, we, we, I'll tell you what, we'll do water, but okay. if you ask for it, we're going to just spray in the face. That sounds like the that's one That's a hard job way to drink water. Right? As a bartender. So, so, here, so here's Lil. Imagine trying to finance that. Imagine saying that before you know the end of the story and you're at the beginning of the story and Lil says, here's I'm going to line this up. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to recruit these uber-talented gals to come in and entertain the hell out of people. Um, and we get into more detail. We don't have yeah. to drain the whole story. But I'm going to figure out how to build teams of talented people. And if you went into her bars Friday, Saturday, like you couldn't get in couldn't. and they're spraying people in the face. They're serve, The offering is minimal offering mm-hmm. and people, they made movies and TV shows about yeah. this. Okay. Yeah. She became celebrity status because she gave people what they wanted. Yep. What do they want? They wanted to be they, entertained. They wanted that experience. Yeah. And, and, and she figured that out. I think out. she was smart by keeping it simple because yeah. now you, you didn't need to hire bartenders. You need to hire Entertainers, uh, show, entertainers, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Singers, dancers, yeah. people uh, who engage. I can open a beer. I can pour a shot, but can I keep the people engaged? Yeah, yeah. yeah. A huge yeah. level of. If you go into one, the, the crowd is engaged. Yeah. Like it's almost they're like all, there's they're all four. Yeah, yeah it, that's yeah. what people want. There was a well, so she met an unmet need in the market. Right. What is the market asking you to provide, and can you provide that at an exceptional level? Yeah, and you know you're this the thought that's been coming through my head over and over again. Um, when I started my podcast, I, I was trying to f- crack the codes. Like what are like similar to you? Like what's the commonality? Like what is mm-hmm. like, what are the, what is the secret? And I think one of the biggest lessons I've learned is that there literally is no right way to do it. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 it's kind of to say what you said. It's, it's like, is it, is it, is it the right way for you in your unique situation? And at this unique point in time, Given the unique, like you also talk about the superhuman, like your your superpowers, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like the way that one person opens their restaurant, listen, like I can never be Lil. 
I'm right. not cute yeah. enough. I'm not yeah. uh, like you know what I mean. Like yeah. I can't dance <laughs> is, in a bar. Like yeah. you know, like she she was that the, she knows her strengths. Yeah. yeah, you know she yeah. she knows her strengths. She knows yeah. what she's doing. She's playing to her strengths. Yep. And yeah. that's not going to be the same for everybody. Right. So what works for one person in the restaurant industry isn't going to work for another necessarily work the same way. You've got to play to your strengths. So it's it's a matter of learning all the ways. Yeah. And then picking the ways that make the most sense for you. And I, what does and listen, and what does the market want? Right. And what does, and the, what does the market want? What, if you what? can tap into an unmet need in a market, right. you can survive an awful bumpy road because you're providing something that can't be otherwise found, which is what she did. She was providing something that just wasn't available. So if you went, if you went uh, through New York City, you could, you can find plenty of cocktail bars. There's a lot of that. There was nothing like Lil's Place. Yeah. And so there's a line outside the door. Understanding that, so we tell the story um, in the book the, of the where I was trying to be a dream killer. I don't know if you got to that bit. Yeah. And I sent someone from Atlanta to Charlotte to go to the Crunkleton. Because he wanted to open up, this person yeah. wanted to open yeah, a bar yeah. with all, no partners, got super no knowledge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Crunkleton crushed so hard that he had the time of his life, and he was like more this. determined than ever to open up a, this uh, private club bourbon bar. And I'm like, look, man, I, I I'm having a, I, my coaching responsibility to him was to not do this. That's how I, I was like, look, there's a ton of money in that gig. If I just wanted the, if I just wanted to make fat bank on this guy with a bunch of money, I would have said, let's open that bourbon bar. Let's just go, you can do it. You can do it. Let's go, let's go find the real estate. Let's go find the products. And I was like, dude, you have no business doing this. I'm going to do everything in my power to talk you out. And by the way, I'm going to charge you nothing. Never charged him a dime. Set him all up on a path that said, don't do this. And if at the end you ignore all my advice <laughs> and you still go to do that, you're going to have to find another consultant because I'm not going like to have my, so my name pinned to that. <laughs> I, I say the same thing to my listeners. My first goal is to talk you out of this. Yeah. yeah. Like, and if after listening to hundreds of interviews, if you still <laughs> want to do it, right. then maybe you got the chops. Yeah. And what, what ties all that together is that it's part of the humble nature. It's that burning desire to give. Right, she she filled an unmet need because she wanted to give the experience, mm-hmm. and that's that's we we're starting to come to come to the idea that of all the things that we discuss in the book, there is kind of one that if you don't have it, you either need to find a partner who does, and don't operate, or forget it. Yeah, I There's, think that's a, a good teaser. We're gonna take one more quick break to thank our sponsors, and we'll yeah. be right back to start um, really unpackaging some of these um, chapters. And that's one of the chapters is partnerships. Cool. Um, so we'll be right back. Recently on the show, you've been hearing it come up often. Restaurant Systems Pro. If you've become interested, I highly recommend you sign up for the Restaurant System Pro 60-Day Pilot Program. This is something that's never been done before. This 60-day event is at no cost to you, but it's not for everyone. Fred Langley, CEO of Restaurant Systems Pro, will be leading a group of restaurant tours through the Restaurant Systems Pro software and setting up the system for your restaurant. Fred will be leading the training, supporting you, and holding you accountable. Typically, this costs $10,000 a month to have Fred in your restaurant, but during this no-cost-to-you 60-day training, he will be teaching you every process he does during the group coaching sessions, and nothing will be held back. During the 60 days, Fred will walk you through the Restaurant Systems Pro process and help you crush the following goals. Recipe costing cards, guidance in your books for accounting, cash control, sales forecasting with accuracy, checklist, budgeting for the entire year, scheduling for profit, more butts in seats, and that's not it. 
Often, the team at Restaurant Systems Pro helps restaurateurs out pro bono because their hearts go out to these folks. I mean, it's hard out there, but because of that, a lot of the time these restaurateurs don't follow through because they have no skin in the game. For that reason, there is an application process. Only those serious about making change in their operation will be accepted into this program. Are you interested? Then go to restaurantunstoppable.com slash RSP. That's RSP for Restaurant Systems Pro. Restaurantunstoppable.com slash RSP. Let's get into, I mean, we already kind of dissect a lot of the chapters. Yeah. just came out organically, but you brought up one chapter that I was hoping we'd be able to get to talk about today and this is something that i would again like reading this book really helped reinforce some of the things that i felt in my gut mm-hmm. and i was like you don't hear anybody say this though so i don't know if i'm right but this okay. is what i'm feeling and one of the things i say often not everybody agrees with me on this is that i don't think you can you can open a restaurant and do it by yourself i don't think you can be the best anymore what and do you what, mean you can't be the best i don't think you can be the best if you're the sole proprietor oh yeah, I mean, um, is it possible? Yes. Is it likely? Here, is it less likely? No. Here's here's the. I'm gonna I'm gonna sort of take that in a slightly different direction and then go in your direction. Um, I, I for the most part I agree. I think there might be some unique individuals out there, right? Yeah, that people there's some freaks of nature, but most there of us are, aren't. But for most of us, so first things first. In this book, we're saying there's these five things that these people these people shared. Um, what we're not saying, and I want to be very clear here, is that if you don't have all five of these, you can't be successful. You can't find some. You cannot find some measure of success. That's not what we're saying. We're saying the award winners, the people who are at the one percent of the one percent, they have these five things in spades. Those helix points. All the other stuff are building blocks. They have spits and pieces here and there. Some are strong, and in, in a bunch of them, some are strong in one or two. Um, when it comes to the the helix points, for those who who want to get that or find maybe even find that award winning success. Um, there's two mechanisms that we, you know, we found are, are very, um, uh, very useful for, for getting there. One is the mentorships, which we're not talking about at this moment, which is fine, uh, but it's a great way to go. It's in a chapter in the book. There's also other stuff out there about it. Uh, the other one is the partnerships. And you are going to multiply to a great degree your ability to be successful just off the bat. Forget being award-winning. Let's just start with getting past that 60% failure rate of first three years. Um, finding finding people who complement your strengths, um, people who do things that you don't know how to do. Yeah, the pie is always better when shared. You go further together. There's sayings out there, right? People who can people who can have healthy argument and debate with you. Uh, people who have a healthy ego with you. This is something I'm pointing at. If you can't see me because you're listening, mm-hmm. I'm pointing at my partner Dave because we actually exemplify a lot. Like as I was writing and rereading this, I was like, holy crap, we do almost all this to a great degree. Um, you're going to multiply your chances of success, right? Maybe, maybe it goes from 60 to, to 40. It's, it can be a huge chunk. Um, and of all these successful people, almost every person in this book has a partner. And one of my favorite quotes is from Julio Cabrera. He said he, when he was figuring this out, right, he's going into his 50s starting his first bar, right? This man, this man designed for 20 years. He did all this stuff. And he started asking. He was getting towards that, that finish line of, okay, I'm almost ready to go. And he was asking the, the super successful people he knew, should I get a partner? They, to a person, 100% said, don't do this alone. Number one, simplest, easy, easy answer for that. Why? Um, if you do it by yourself, you're stuck here. Your general manager can leave. They can, go, they can quit. They can get sick. You don't get to get sick. You have to show up. Somebody says, hey, I'm going on vacation. I don't care what you say. You have to show up. Um, having a partner splits that, right? They have the golden handcuffs with you. 
So now I can now I can have some of that freedom. I'm not going to burn out really fast. So right there off the bat, you're going to that's a huge multiplier to success. Then again, if you follow these, so there's something we call the delta construct in here. And it's really what it is, it's an easy way to remember the the critical pieces to finding the right partner. Number 1, find somebody who is ethically similar to you, morally, right? You have you shared values, but who also has um compliments a, you. Compliments you, separate set of skills, separate set of knowledge, different than skills. Um, the second piece, make sure you're clear on what that partnership is. Operating agreements, critical. Do not do this without an operating yeah. agreement. Yeah. Operating agreements, some people are scared of it, right? It's a legal dot. I'm signing a contract. You, and by the way, oh, the, oh, I almost forgot. One of the most interesting things we found that we were shocked, frankly. We were like, no way. Um, and again, every person we ask this question of, make sure they're your friend. It is rare that somebody who's not your That's friend something else will that operate. I agree with. That shocked me. Because yeah. I was like, well, no, it's a partnership. They say whatever. don't go into business with friends and family. Uh, yeah, if you have Surprise. shitty friends and family, don't have a business with them. But if you lo- if you have great friends and family and they you trust them you because they're trust, good people right? and you know they're not going to let you down. But, so that well, see that operating agreement. Here's the best example. My brother's a lawyer, and he was explaining to me why it's critical. When when he and I were start, Dave and I were starting up. Um, uh, he said, "Look, it's it's not for today. You trust Dave today, and he trusts you, and and you know who you are." Uh, it's what happens when Dave is crossing the street and a car hits him, and he knocks his head on the ground. Now he has a TBI, and he's not the same guy. Because his personality has been drastically changed. Horrible. It's not going to happen. Yeah, thanks, um, Dave. So I'm, it's when it happens to me. <laughs> um, that's what it's for, right? It's to make all that stuff easy and clear. So, Well, it's also to get clear about who's responsible for what. Mm-hmm. So like, if you're like, hey, like, that's, I'm good yep. at this. You're good at this. You're going to do this, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's write that write down. Write it down. So like, it down, when you're not doing that, right. I, have, I can say later, and now I own your share. That's right. So that's that's all in there, yeah. in there, in there as well. There's it's a framework. We are not lawyers. It's not legal advice, but it is good advice. And our number one piece of advice is get a lawyer. Um, the third piece is stay out of each other's way. Yeah. You know what you do well. I know what I do well. Let's let each other do what we can discuss it. We can debate it. But let me do what I do well. And then the fourth piece, because Delta being four, the fourth piece is make sure you're you're checking back rec- regularly. Yeah. I think I did a whole episode dedicated to partnership agreements, but. It- Maybe not. I know. I know it's unique for each partnership agreement. Like, there's no two partnership agreements that are exactly the same. Right. So yeah, get a lawyer. I also think it's there is no boilerplate. There's not everybody no can afford a lawyer, though. Let's be honest. Like some people, if they're starting like real small pop up status, you know, uh, I'd find the budget, man. I, yeah. You, you, well, that's. Is, I think that's that the point a, that I make is if, if you're spending a million dollars, like if you're going to go get set a loan, aside a couple thousand. It shouldn't cost the budget. a couple thousand bucks yeah. for a decent lawyer to do this. Yeah. If you're spending a million, I would say if you can't do it, don't do it. Yeah. Um, that is critical. And, and just to tie all that together. So it's, it's the four points. The other way to think about it is this, because this is where, where we came up with the Delta construct idea. Um, it's like the Delta force, right? You've got, you've got these specialized, specialized military forces and you have a medic, you have a Ford observer and, uh, you have a heavy artillery specialist, right? Let's just say it's three people as they're going into battle. They need to know that they can a trust that person next to them with their life. B, that that person's going to do their job. C, they're not going to get in their way, right? So the medic starts deciding, oh, um, yeah, we should, we should not take this route. We should take that route. But they don't have all the maps and information and understanding of, of terrain that the forward observer has. Now they're making decisions they shouldn't make. And the whole thing goes to hell and people die. Um, I, <laughs> I had the responsibility of overseeing and mediating uh, a partnership breakup uh, a couple years back. And one of the main issues was exactly that. Two of the partners, didn't, they didn't write down who was responsible for what. They got in each other's way, and it got ugly. 
and they had to they had to dissolve. And if it had been written down differently, it might have ended differently. It might not. I don't know. So that's the that's the overall concept and all that. And I think that you're right. I, I totally agree with you. If you are, it's gonna, it's a lot harder, especially today with with the the ability to see through businesses with all this technology and and transparency created by and sometimes false transparency created by social media and all that. Having having somebody to compliment you in that business is is the best way to still still achieve right. that star status yeah. that 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 level of success. I mean. I can't but think of Uptown Social, recent guest, uh, Charleston-based restaurant. Uh, they're they're the guys from New York too. Right? Uh, yes, yeah. they yeah. have a downtown social. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so, what is it? Eat, play, be merry, or something yeah. like that. Yeah, is that yeah. The, the it was group? good. Yeah, he was. Yes. He's a solid interview. Yeah. Um, so, the way that they run their businesses, they 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 promote from within. Mm-hmm. They find talent, and they know these people are going to go open their own bars. And they say, "We're opening a new spot." Um, it's EBITDA value. Like, you know, we, we've valued it at a million dollars. Um, if you want to be a partner, like put up a point, you know, so, but a point for somebody, you know, working in the bar industry is just within reach. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you right. Know, they can go get $10,000 or whatever right. it is, but you're also, but now you're, you're, you're weeding out the people who aren't serious. Right. You've developed this person. They have your culture. They have your core values. They have your, your school of thought and operations mm-hmm. and how you do stuff. You've pinned them for being good at something. Yep. And you know that that next location needs this. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the future. I think it's, it's giving like, how are you going to attract onto yourself? The best people. I think it's yeah. unbelievable. It's also smart. the past. Yeah. I, there's, I've been seeing people do that for a very long time, but it's, it is definitely the right way to go. Well, hundred percent. I mean, I think people just don't know how to do it, and that's mm-hmm. what happens is like this: oh, don't get into partnerships because you'll get screwed oh. if you do, if you don't protect yourself. Right. And if you if you're partnering, if you get the blinders on, get a lawyer. Like, yeah, <laughs> and you're like, <laughs> I just want to open this place. I need help. Well, this person has money. I'll just take their money. Yep. And like, I don't like them. I don't know anything about them. Yep. Like. It's just being stupid about it. Yep. One of the people has to. One of your partners has to be financially literate. Yes. So yeah, you need fine. You need a fiscal person. You need mm-hmm. the the if it's a if you're. It depends on what your focus is. Mm-hmm. Is your focus food? Then you're going to need somebody who's good at that. Yep. You're going to need a front of house person. I, I'd argue today you're you're going to need marketing. You're going to need somebody whose job it is is to promote you, your business. You kind of just. And I hate that that's true. Well, no, I don't think so. You <laughs> kind of. I don't. I don't. I. I. You shouldn't. Uh, you just kind of defined the majority of the partnership at Cafe La Trova. Yeah. That's where their skills are, and they are dear friends. The one person that was brought in um, that not all the partners knew was friends with the other with with two of the other partners. I don't want to give names because I don't know how much they, they'd want people to know this, but um, was brought in and became friends with everybody because they they fit the culture. Yeah. And it's it's not a bad thing. Um, it's a wonderful, lovely thing because when you see them together, Dave and I had the opportunity to sit down with with uh, quite a few of them uh, a couple months back. It is. It is heartwarming. It's it's almost comforting to see them together, and that's how they are too. It, it makes it a lot easier to do yeah. if you get it right. Right. Oh, and by the way, sorry, I just need to clarify something. Sorry for the legal side. Uh, each person gets, should get their own lawyer. If you have one lawyer for two people, that lawyer has a conflict of interest. Yeah. So each each partner needs to have their own person. So that's, I just want to good advice. Stick that little. Um, we're, I can't believe we're. I mean, we took a couple of breaks, but we're at about an hour and a half of recording time. It goes by so fast. Yeah. Um, Anything we didn't discuss, I mean, I'm just going to go through the chapters real quick. So these are the chapters are basically areas of what would you say? How would you describe the chapters? Competency? Or no. 
Well, those are those are your those are your building blocks or so your your superpower traits is sort of the is sort of what you're getting out of there, like individual unique talents so that we, really drive success. Yeah. So I'm not. So we, we covered the helix. Yeah. Uh, these are the chapters. Just to, we don't have to go through. These all are things these. that build to the helix. Yeah. So yeah. their knowledge, professional development, clarity, branding, immersion, details, training, execution, community, the power of giving information, systems, discipline, scaling, mentorship, partnership. And, and I think that's... May, may I say that really quick? Yeah. Well, you didn't bring um, your own? I did. All the way over there. I'm not getting up. Um, so the first... I just want to make sure I have this right. Um, I would say the first 13. Yeah, the first 13 are the building blocks. And then 14 and 15, mentorship and partnerships, are how to supplement if you're weak in any one of these. Got it. If you're, or, yeah, if you're weak in any one of those. So that's, that's kind of how it reads. Got it. And they all lead into each other. Some of the chapters you see, there's a very nice flow see that. from from the details to the immersion to all that. Like it, it just flows so one right into the other. Which chapter haven't we discussed that you think should be a part? Of, like, or in the next two, I'll let you guys pick. We were going to talk about. We had a break when we were talking about the inception archetype, yeah. which yes. is maybe That's my right. favorite yeah. discovery. Yeah, yeah. I think this is. This. Look, I think this is a real man. If I'm wrong on this, <laughs> which chapter? You're is not. That? That's in. Uh, it's in branding. Yeah. So branding and marketing is new to a lot of people. We were just uh, we were on another podcast recently, and they asked about the power of social media and such. And yeah. I said, "Look, we have unprecedented access to our markets via social media, but we sort of uh, we have this we have professional level access. And unfortunately, oftentimes what folks are doing is they're finding someone in the business that has the best social media account, has the best Instagram account, and says, "Hey, let's go post some cool pics." of food and drinks and let's tell people what we're doing on Fridays and hope that they come. And that seems like a pretty good marketing exercise. And a lot of people do that. Um, we were having, a, I want to get this right. This is neat. So as we're having the conversation with Dave Kaplan from death and co, and he was talking about branding and, and the importance of hospitality. And part of what he wants to do is his goal is to create a whole, his quote, his goal is to create a holy shit moment <laughs> for everyone that comes in every time they come in, which is just an unbelievably high goal, goal, right? But Dave doesn't shy away from it. Like, he's not... He's not like, oh, I don't know how we're going to do that. So, okay. and so I, you know, I'm fascinated by that comment. So I'm like, well, Dave, tell me more. You know, your, your venue, the outside, what would you say, facade, mm-hmm. is just black. black and it's, your name of the place is Death & Co. And... It doesn't look warm and inviting and, you know, when I come up, but reconcile that for me. I was having a hard time reconciling that for me. So, uh, so let's pause for a second. I'd say, if I were to ask you without any lead up, when would you say the typical guest experience begins? Today? What would you uh, say? When you Google search, am I like what, whatever yeah, you're in, yeah, in the mood That's for? a good answer. That's yeah. a good answer. I, I think like last night we asked yeah. some world-class operators, when does the guest experience begin? And for the most part, people will give you two answers, the parking lot yeah. or the host stand. Right. Yeah. And I think that was, that would have been fair? the answer like 15. I think that is the answer. But like today, I think that because you are, you're to the point you made, you're, you have unprecedented reach yeah. that like it, it starts like before they ever come to you. Right. But so, yeah, I agree right, right. so you're getting there. You're, you're getting, getting there. Yeah. Now, this isn't our idea. This is all learning for us. So Dave yeah. says, well, the, the, the front of the building is just a gateway. I was like, all right, go on. Tell me more. (laughs) He goes, the guest experience begins when someone first conceives of coming to the venue. And I went, holy shit. 
right? That's my Dave. Yeah, he wanted, he, I said, you just gave me moment. a holy shit <laughs> yeah. moment. Yeah. And I was like, tell Good me job, more. Dave. And he's like, look, if you think about, uh, if you make it analogous to say Disney or a movie, yeah, if you're going to example. Disneyland, when does the experience begin? Not when you show up in the parking lot at Disney. It's the three month buildup you have. You tell your kids all the things that you're yeah. excited about. Okay. You get the idea. Movies do trailers for this reason, right? Years they give you trailers and they prime you for that experience and you get all excited for the new and Avengers get movie. On podcast. Yes, right? We're priming. <laughs> right, we're doing that. So so this was so neat, guys. I hope this lands. We're actually building a whole supplemental training program on this courseware online for this and culture and a few other things. Um, it's so meaningful. We did a little circle. So after this, we did a thought experiment. We said, let's, let's just look at this from a time investment perspective on a visit. And how long is a typical visit? If I said to you, hey, what's a typical guest time spent in a venue? What might you, there's no wrong answer. Just what do you think it might be? Uh, hour and a half. Okay, that's great. Hour and a half. Fair. I would say that's good. So hour and a half. Let's think about the entirety of the guest experience now. You and I decide we're going to, you're going to, we're going to meet in Raleigh and let's go to the merchant two, where two we are right ago, now. We decided. we decided two weeks ago. So you've been thinking about being Has here. It's been two weeks. It's yeah, two it's two weeks. weeks. Yeah, two weeks yeah. ago. So let's meet here and let's just say we weren't doing this. We're meeting up as friends and we're going to have some cocktails. It's a little better which, told. Which we did. It, which we did. <laughs> we're planning in advance. What am I going to wear? Uh, if it's about, if you're going out with the wife or significant other, she's, I've been married like 32 years. She's inviting other friends to make it interesting. She's <laughs> investing a lot more time in inviting people. What clothes am I going to wear? I'm looking forward to this. Do I need to save some money? Do mm-hmm. I need to get some cash? What am I looking forward to drinking? The day comes, I call friends. Maybe I get a haircut. What am I going to wear? Get a shower, plan for an Uber, Think about everything that just went into this experience far exceeds the hour and a half that you're going to be in the venue, right? right? So the buildup for this is immense. Yeah. Now, now we skip to, so that's the inception archetype. And then we do some branding work on top of that. Do you know who your ideal guest is? And you should have an ideal guest. Some people in hospitality may debate, well, every guest is ideal. It's not how it works, but so, but we're not going to digress there, but we do more branding work as it relates to the marketing bit. The culture piece is really cool. The way you play off this now as a culture is let's say I'm the host or hostess or the waiter or the bartender. If you come to me and you're talking to me culturally about we want to give a really great experience for people when they get here, give me all that we want to smile, we want to say please and thank you, we want, you know, we want to serve and we want to give. And I say, okay, I got that. You know, I'm a I'm an eighteen or nineteen year old host, say, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I hear you. I can smile. That's great. And Eric comes to the door. Hey, how you doing? Welcome. That's great. Da, da, da. And I and I'm just basically transacting in a steps of service kind of way. And they can be great steps of service. Mm-hmm. All fair play. However, if I say to you and the staff, people who come here have typically, on average, not just walked by and decided to walk in. They were thinking about coming here on Monday, and now it's Friday. They've been planning on this for four or five days. It's more likely than not that this is the only time they're going to go out this week. This is their only spend. It's more likely than not that they're probably going to spend a little bit more money than they intended to or have to spend while they're here. That's just typical. They're probably going to go get their hair done. They're probably going to invite friends. They, this is the highlight of their week. And when they walk through that door, you're the first face they're going to see. How do you show up? 
I show up differently. Fundamentally different. Fundamentally different, given that explanation Context. of the setup of right. my job as a host or hostess versus saying, smile, give... I now, you've now given your host or hostess a real meaningful purpose. Mm-hmm. I am really important in this steps of service. My responsibility is huge. And if we have a whole staff oriented with the mindset of that's who these folks are. These are folks that have been planning and thinking and spending and looking forward to. It's a massive cultural shift in how we think about the business that then, if it all plays out right, which it has for these, you know, this is a study of ex- excellence. This is then turned into an army of advocates. I, you come in and I give you that experience. I give you the holy shit every time I come in. This is the only place I really want to go because I know I can count on it when I come here. I know my $100 I'm going to spend tonight is good. I'm guaranteed. And I don't know that I want to experiment. Why would I? So then it sort of recession proofs your business. Mm-hmm. And not that a lot of a lot of the folks we talk to are not like competitive against other bars in nature. They tend to be a community, yep. and they tend to Free want to, to share. However, it does it does sort of give you barriers to entry for other people. They're going to have a hard time taking your customer base away. Yeah. So you're developing advocates. You're recession proofing the business. Your marketing, your army of advocates becomes this authentic marketing arm when other people are saying. Look how great we are. It's not me telling you how great you, we are, but it's other people. There's a lot, there's depth to that, and there's a lot of coaching out that has to be done there. But I was just, I continue to be fascinated by the idea of the mindset. It's a mindset idea. Yeah. There's also marketing involved mindset, in that too. Yeah. Like how I, how do I identify the right person and market to that? So, Well, I mean, I, I think another crazy thing that I've learned is that it's a lot to do with psychographics. Mm-hmm. It's a lot to do with what does that person want to communicate to the world when they're in my restaurant? Like, yeah. and I hate that that's true too, but people, we want to be seen a certain way. We care about how people interpret who we are. Mm-hmm. So if our brand clearly spells out, I'm thinking like a, of like a health and fitness brand, like a smoothie brand, right? Mm-hmm. And like, if your brand is all around wellness and, and doing good for your body and, and like exercise and you want people to think that you're a healthy person that exercises and does good. Like you want people to know that you're going there. You want to be seen there because it communicates that it, it, it helps you feed your ego, your personal brand. Yeah. You build a personal yeah. brand yeah. on yeah. social you do media. Be associated with this. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's funny that as you're saying this, it occurred to me, the people who sort of are getting this right, whether or not they're intending to do the inception piece, um, you can tell a complete difference when, just as one example, when my wife and I get ready to go to Cafe La Trova, it's that. She's getting her hair done. She's going to spend two hours at the salon. She's going to make sure everything looks perfect. She's going to get the right dress. She's going to spend hours preparing. It's going to be a week-long event. There are plenty of other places we go to where it's like, oh, hey, do you want to go to this place tomorrow? Yeah, sure. And we show up. And and it's it's almost – you're almost naturally identifying it. And for the for the for the hospitality owner, for the restaurant owner – if they can pick up on on how to be one versus the other, doing this process, doing this program, uh, which Dave has created an amazing, amazing deck with a set of instructions on how to do this step by step, um, that'll put them on a different level. These are the people that thrived during COVID. These mm-hmm. are the people that they still had their tough time. They still had to bust their ass. They still had to get those those grants and loans and all that crap, the PPP. Um, but they still thrived at a time when other places were by the 
the hundreds by the thousands shutting down. Right. Well, you have a, you have an army of advocates, advocates to say, man, I don't want to lose my bar. Right. Right. I don't want you to go away. Yeah. Not my I, job. My bar. My bar. Right. right. And I'm gonna. I'll spend the money. I'll pay extra. What What do I need to do to keep you around? My You're my community. Absolutely, yeah. Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. I've loved this conversation, guys. Is there anything <laughs> else that we haven't d- touched on? Another chapter that you were hoping would come to the surface? I, well, there is one. If, Bring, if I may. Yeah. yeah I don't please. Uh, there's one on uh, on information systems, yes. um, which is a misnomer because it sounds like it's about data and all this stuff, which it is a bit, but it really isn't. What systems that provide data? So. No? No. Okay. <laughs> exactly. That's why I want to. So what it's what that chapter is really about, and it's one that that excites me. Um, and and he's gotten me more excited. I wrote it, and he makes me more excited about it, which is really fun. That's it. The partnership works. Uh, I'm pointing at Dave again for the listeners. Um, it's about productivity, right? It's a hundred percent entirely about productivity. And I'll keep this tight because I know we're we're towards the end, and I can. Um, so what it's about? It is about using data, but it's about taking data turning it into information, and then making sure that information is actionable. We take action on that information. So data to information to action. Um, in any given business period, but let's, you know, with, with, our, with our audience, the restaurants, there are things that we are struggling with that we're not doing well with. Uh, it might be turnover, uh, which is a very common one because it's something we don't look at uh, as much as we should. Uh, it could be um, with our guest interactions with number of people coming back, the, the repeat guests and how do we, how do we affect that? It could be as simple as cost of goods, right? There's that, that's our basic simple example, which is where I'm going to focus on more. The way, the way you can use, and if you're not comfortable with data and technology, it doesn't matter because a lot of this comes down to human process anyways. And the beauty is, as we've been talking about tech, the, and this is where the technology comes in because it's not as much a technology conversation as is, is a, is a productivity, as I said, Technology makes this whole process easier. It's doing stuff for us that we had to used to have to do by hand. That's or, how, yeah, and that's how I tell people to look at technology. It's right. a system that somebody else created that's way They're better the than hard you could ever you. do on your own. Dude, so I, plug it in. I love Excel. Excel is not the way. Um, so, what happens is if you if you get this right. You sit down with your team. And there's a great story about uh, Guara Patel, G Patel, in the book, and how he how he did this and what he accomplished. Like the dude is more productive than God. He's definitely they me but most people i've met you sit down you, you determine where the where the issue lies you then look at what what data you have at your at your fingertips to to get it you maybe source out and say hey let's go find uh the places that we can get this data from turn that into the right information and hopefully that same tool turns it into information big difference between data and information not to be confused data is the raw numbers coming through almost unusable um especially in large in large quantities right so it's it's not something you can really really uh action on you turn that into information, which classically is the dashboard, the ubiquitous dashboard. When I started doing this 20 years ago, there were dashboards up and whiteboards, right? They would have their, here's our previous week revenue, here's our, here's our goal for this week, and, and then they write down what they did, they hit their target, right? So dashboards have been around forever. Again, the technology are making those easier to use and better to work with. Red, yellow, green stuff, and how am I trending and whatnot. So once we have that information, we can then take action on it. We should have a process around that with the team to take action. Weekly meeting or whatever. A weekly meeting, yeah. monthly meeting, what's your frequency? And you have to figure that out. So the, the key pieces to this are, number one, you have to be able to trust the data and information, right? So make sure you're, you're A, make sure you're getting the right data and information to use, and then make sure that it's, it's accurate. That's something I deal with a lot with my clients and, and a lot of why I start working with people in the, in the um, inventory control side and the supply chain management side. 
And then finally, is the process you're using to take action on that on that information correct? So you do a couple meetings, see see if you're getting to a point. It should be five to ten minute conversations. Okay, our costs or goods are are up. Do we know why? No. Okay, John, your job to go figure this out. And that's the last piece. As the owner, you have to fit. You have to become comfortable with giving this away to somebody else. Maybe build it at first, but you have to be comfortable with saying, okay, uh, bar manager, this is going to be yours. Yeah. Now, don't worry. You're going to make mistakes, and we're going to coach you through that. And you have to be comfortable with the fact that they will make mistakes. You get that right, you do it once. Right? You're now starting to spin the propeller. We call it the propeller effect. It's about getting momentum in the business. You do it with your next piece. What's your next opportunity in the business? Right? It's all about these opportunities. So my next one is right. We're working on cost of goods. We have a handle out. We know we're going the right direction. John, you've got it here. Bob, you got it over there. Julie, you're going to get the labor side. Next, we're going to work on turnover. Our payroll companies, ADP, Paychex, they all calculate this for you. If you set up, if you're you using one of these companies, they do it for yeah. you. And this is one of the most valuable pieces of information yeah. you could possibly have. Turnover, go look online. I won't bore you with the details. It is insanely expensive. So now we start doing that one. The propeller spinning faster. And you get the next one. And you're building these, you're building these systems to be, again, actionable. You have to be able to, to action on this. It's a critical piece. In, in five to ten minute chunks, maybe a half an hour when something goes really wrong. Um, and then you're just becoming more and more productive. Yeah. You, you perfectly just spelled out why I love, I don't Have you guys ever heard of traction EOS, the entrepreneurial operating not. system? So it's a, a series of books out there called traction. And it's basically, they talk about, it's, it's basically systems for communication systems for constantly challenging yourself systems for growth systems for, uh, getting in tracking data scorecards this is what they call them. They call them rocks. Rocks are okay. Like here's your quarterly rock. Like right. you want to be here. How do you reverse engineer going from where we are to there over the next three months? And every week we talk about the progress you made and what you're and why you aren't, you didn't meet your goal. Why not? Let's brainstorm the solution. Right. But it's a, they call it a level 10 meeting, but they, everything that you just d- discussed, they force into that level 10 meeting and mm-hmm. there's, a, there's quarterly meetings and annual meetings. Yeah. But the level 10 is, is, is weekly, and that's keeping people on track to building that momentum that you're talking right. about, the, the, the propeller. And in this industry, it's, so, it's, it's not even easy. It is natural to get stuck in the day-to-day. Our business requires it almost of us. Um, I, I open my door, and I'm expecting to do something important to work on my business, but a 20 top shows up. Now i got to work in the business again. If we don't set this aside and make it sacred, this must happen. It cannot be missed. We're going to miss out on that productivity. And once you get it right, that productivity is going to allow you to do way more than anybody else. It's worth the time spent, 100%. And that is chapter... I should know. It's uh, 11. 11. I was going to say 10. Systems. I was going to say 10. Guys, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much. I knew uh, when I first spoke to you, David Mzalski, about the bar shift, I knew... Um, you were great in that episode. I Thank knew you. with all the, the way you talk about Dave Mitzel, um, that if I could get you guys back on the show together to go into the hospitality ENA, you would not disappoint and you have not disappointed. So thank <laughs> you so much. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. And, um, before we say goodbye, um, I give my chance for my guests to call somebody out. That's how I find my future guests. This is my research. Uh, success History. recognizes success. You already called some folks. I out. did. I did. We already have some folks that we're going to, I want to talk to everybody you guys. Look, look, that's, everybody yeah, in the that's book. everyone in the book, and yeah. then and then look, and we've we've lined a, we've lined some yeah. up for you already. Yeah. Drop some some of those names from your. Uh, well, so you're gonna you're gonna you got some neat ones coming up yeah. soon. So you've got Gary Cronkleton coming up. Yeah. Gary is a. Uh, I, I don't know anyone smarter about bourbon uh, than Gary. Oh. They're they're probably out there, but I don't know who they are. 
Gary, <laughs> let me tell you quick. Let me tell you, make sure you get in Gary. I, mean, I don't know what Gary might say. Gary is, Gary is a uh, free spirit. So the, buckle up for that. That'll be fun. Oh, I can't wait to listen. Like. Yeah. And he, one thing he does is he gets antique spirits. So if you go to, if you go to the Cronkleton, he's got a couple places, Chapel Hill, Charlotte. He's got, he's got spirits from 1895 Damn. and he can, t- you know, look, Gary's the real deal, man. And Oh my gosh, I, I can't say enough about him. He's the guy I send people from out of state to visit him, yep. and I don't give them a heads up. That's how good Gary is. Is I I send people on a weekend vacation just to go visit his venue, and I never call Gary or say anything to anyone. Yeah. Um, last night you're gonna you're gonna meet John Sealbinder. John is Sharp here. Dude. Thank John, you, John, for letting us use your yes, space. Yeah, for sure. Good dude. And John Sharp has dude. look. John had listen, this guy. This guy was Air Force Academy guy. He's going to be a fighter pilot. Ended up liking bartending more. Has <laughs> nightclubs, cocktail bars, a brewery, a, brewery. a hotel, um, a taqueria, uh, a pub, a, a, an, an English pub. Un- <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> and then you're going to meet you're going to meet uh, Drew and Kevin Drew from Dram and Draft. Those guys six locations, seven now, seven? and they opened up five since COVID. In eighteen so, months. So so wow. again, and, and John John John's bought or started, you know, the hotel. These people are all multiplying post COVID. They're all in the book. So there's it's, so much opportunity. It's like a yeah. fire it goes through and it burns things yeah. down, and it, then there's room for growth. So look, it's pre- if you want to do some special stuff in your business, don't take our word yeah. for it. Take, take the folks theirs. we wrote yeah. about. They will show you the way. Yeah. They do it with a big heart and a huge willingness to share. Yep. And we got Will Rowley. Yeah, we got Will. Schedule fly. S- standing off microphone. Past yeah. guest on the show who's based here in Raleigh, so we're going to be reconnecting with him as well. So I got my work cut out for me, but it's going to be great. I can't There's wait. No, I, haven't met, I haven't met a more uh, genuine, humble person in the, hosp- in the support side of hospitality than Will. Yeah. Um, he has an incredible product and an amazing story. Look, we, this is just cool, man. Like, I'm a little <laughs> jealous of what you get to do. We got I'm to jealous do this. of what I get to do. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Sometimes you I get to stop the- and be like, what do I, what's my this life? This is my yeah. life. Yeah. 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 Uh, and if you want to connect with anyone in the book that we haven't already, I, can, yeah. you just send me a note and I'll do yeah. my best. I can't promise anything, but right. I, I certainly, of course, Actually, will put I, in a good word. I will say they will all say yes. I'll promise it because they are oh, so awesome. Oh, boy. Look at this. If they say no, I'll just tell them what I'm Hey, if you want to talk again, let me know. I'm open. I'm available. Dave's huge. One hour, 51 minutes in. (laughs) Dave says it. Uh, Guys, thank you so much. And I got to make sure I leave you an opportunity to let the listeners know. How can we connect? Uh, Our book is available on Amazon uh, in paperback, hardback, Kindle, and audiobook. We got a phenomenal reader. He's he's got a a great voice and says all the words right. (laughs) Um, You can also go to daveanddave.co. That's daveanddave.co. Not a mistake. Uh, No M. (laughs) Um, and that's where you're going to find uh, extra resources and materials. So those are the two best places. Of course, we're on uh, Instagram and Facebook. I don't know what all those little hashtaggy thingies are and the ads. I'm too old for that, <laughs> but I'm working on it. This is episode 1009. Head over to restaurantstoppable.com slash 1009. We'll have a summary of today's discussion as well as uh, links to the book and any other tools or services recommended on today's show. If there were any, I don't think there were. Maybe EOS. I don't know. Um, guys, there is no questioning. You are. Unstoppable. Yeah. Thanks, Cheers. man. Thank you. Appreciate you. There's another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Special thanks to our guests today, Dave Nitzel and Dave Domzalski, for coming on and for diving deep into your international bestseller hospitality DNA. And this work 
truly resonates with me. What you're doing, getting out there, leveraging your network of clients through the bar metric system, uh, these impressive individuals, and just getting them to spill their guts. These award winners, these 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 international recognized operators. Uh, you know, you're doing good work with your network, and you're you know this really what you did in this book. A lot of the lessons you shared in this book were great for me to hear and read because honestly it's reinforcing a lot of the work that I'm doing here and seeing that there's a lot of commonalities, things that you've discovered uh, that it's giving me encouragement in, uh, I guess it's giving me confidence to get out there and start sharing and echoing the, the same sentiments you guys have echoed in this book. So thank you for your work. Awesome stuff. And I do want to say thank you to John Sealbinder for hosting these interviews. I think we got five interviews while in Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, Dave and Dave were so good and so generous to me. A lot of the people I got on the show were uh, people they made an example of in their book, Hospitality DNA. So for the next five books, or sorry, the next five episodes coming your way are going to be featuring a lot of the folks they had uh, featured in their book. So uh, it's going to be an exciting five episodes coming your way. And uh, I do want to let you know that we have Dave and Dave joining us live in Restaurant Unstoppable Network. So if you enjoyed today's episode and you want to dive deeper into their work, hospitality, DNA, this international bestseller, then be sure to head over to restaurantstoppable.com slash 1009. Find the banner in the show notes to join the network. Join the network for get your first 30 days free, 30 day trial, then RSVP to the workshop, which is labeled Aligning Guest Expectations, Team Motivations, and Your Marketing Strategy. That workshop being held and led by Dave Nitzel and Dave Domzalski will be August 7th. So get over there, RSVP. The first 10 people to RSVP to this network event will get a free copy of their book. Plus, I'll throw in a t-shirt, a restaurant stoppable t-shirt. And if you opt into the one-year plan, you will get a hat and a mug on top of that. So no pressure to stick around thereafter. If you find out the network's not for you, uh, you can go on your merry way. But this is a workshop you're not going to want to miss. If you want to hear from Dave and Dave and meet them and, and have them field your questions, this is a great opportunity. So can't say goodbye without saying thank you to the people who make this show possible. Thank you to Jared Parisi over at Sumadre Podcast for your editing and copyright. Thank you to Callan Miola for your network support as our community manager. And thank you to Anna Tazin with the Good Kind Consulting for your exec- your executive counsel and support. That's it for today. Until next time, peace out.